this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's just gone six o'clock. It's Friday morning, and I'm in a pub. I know, don't worry, I've got it un- under control. I haven't got a problem. Lots and lots coming up in the show this morning. And even though I'm not in the studio, it will still be good to get your thoughts and views on various things. Uh, lots of growing numbers of community businesses being set up across Beds, Hearts and Bucks. From village shops to pubs to cafes, local people are getting together to prevent them from going under in the face of difficult financial times. Well, today we're having a closer look at the businesses and the people who volunteer to run them. I'm live in the Coffee Dog Cafe in the village of Flampstead in Hertfordshire, which is run by volunteers. If you're nearby and you want to come down and say hello, and I don't know, maybe buy me a cake or a coffee or an egg roll or something like that, you're more than welcome to. Other things coming up on the show today... A planning application to expand London Luton Airport is due to be submitted next week. Will you welcome the expansion? Big cuts to Luton Council services are coming. Our political reporter, Paul Scoynes, was at the meeting last night and he's going to tell us how it could affect you. And it's the story that just won't go away. The fire in St Albans continues to burn. We've got some very interesting news about the owners of the Wood Recycling Centre. BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots of ways you can get in touch this morning. You can text 81333, starting your text 3CR. You can give us a call, 08459 555 555. Or, and I thoroughly suggest you go to, to the Facebook page today, because um, not only will you see all the, the topics and things like that, but the team will be continuously posting photos of what's happening here uh, at the Coffee Dog in Flamstead, including, I believe already, there's a picture of my big bowl of vegetables that I demanded uh, be laid on for me, and they have done that, so thank you. And you can go and see that big bowl of vegetables uh, at facebook.com forward slash bbc 3cr now a planning application to expand london luton airport is due to be submitted next week the airport wants to almost double the number of passengers from 10 million a year to 18 million among the most vocal opponents to the expansion are the villagers in flamstead where i am this morning tim moss is from the uh, campaign group hertfordshire against luton expansion morning tim morning are you often in a pub at just gone six o'clock in the morning well i'm often in in, in the pub in the evening it's a great pub in the evening it's a great pub for coffee and uh, it's, it's nice to be here at six it, it is a cracking pub although have you seen the huge dog duke that's wandering around duke is he's a big dog he's not scary but uh, he is beautiful <laughs> he's not scary you could put a saddle on him and a child could ride him you quite could. comfortably he, he, he's a big dog now listen why are you so opposed to the expansion plans at the airport well, look, I think it's really important to get this in perspective. Flamstead Villages use the airport. We value the airport and we recognise the contribution it, it makes to, uh, to the economy and to employment. And also, we, we, we believe it's important to, that it should grow, but it needs to grow in a responsible and sustainable way. And uh, we're concerned about, about three things. Uh, uh, the massive change uh, envisaged, the 60% increase in flights, double the number of passengers. And it's, it's the, uh, the pollution, congestion and noise issues which are not properly tackled uh, within the, the, the plan. But there's always going to be, if, if, if you are, are up for expansion, there are always going to be um, extra noise, extra pollution, things like that. What, what would you like to see done differently, then, that's not covered by the plans at the moment? Well, the, uh, you, you've got, on, on these three bits, on, on congestion, for instance, you've got the plan proposes 8% more people will, will, will come in by public transport. That means 1.6 million extra people on First Capital Connect every year. Mm. Uh, the trains are full already. Uh, there's no credible plans there for what will be different about First Capital Connect going forward with these 1.6 million extra people travelling on the trains going forward. We'd like to see credible plans for that. On uh, pollution, 
the plan says that the, uh, the, the airport plan is going to be uh, uh, carbon, reduce the carbon footprint. Now, bizarrely, uh, they don't count planes, the extra 60% planes that are taking off because that's government's problem. That's not their problem. And so we just ignore the fact that we've got 60% more planes. We don't have any responsibility for that. We don't own that. And we think that the, the operator and owner of the airport should own the fact that they are making 60%. That's where they really pollute. It's when they're in the air. But we don't count those in the plan. Now, noise is a, is a, is a specific issue for, for whichever communities around the airport, and we think it can be just better managed. The communication the planes fly be quite high over Flamstead, don't they? So it's not going to be that much noisier is it well it depends on how quiet the day is it depends how how quiet the environment is that you're in if you're in a a, a noisy town then the noise of planes going overhead is, is is much less impactful one of the big issues we have is around track keeping so for instance particularly at night uh the the, the train the, the planes are, are are much worse in terms of their track keeping at night the airport doesn't effectively manage those and if it was able to manage its tracks more carefully uh, it, it would be much more effective but the airport makes much more profit from its mm. planes at night and therefore it runs as many planes, oh, it wants to run 60 more planes at night as well. Do you use Luton Airport? Yes of course that's why I said we value the yeah. airport we, we, we believe that responsible flying and we think they can improve their own performance and uh, we think it's a valuable amenity this is not about say, being anti-business or anti-airport, I'm a businessman myself mm. we of course understand why, why it's important Are you uh, Because you're so close to the airport and, uh, are you ever going to be happy with anything any of the plans that they come up with? Well I, I think I've just said we, we, we think the airport should be able to grow sustainably and profitably. That's what I started saying. No, of course, it, but, but it, it, see, it is important. We do think there's things that they can improve. But let me ask you a question. Do you think it's reasonable that at three o'clock in the morning uh, there are flights which di fly directly over a community when they don't have to? Do you think that's a good thing? Well, what yeah. do you think? Do you, do you want my honest answer? Yeah, yeah I do. I, think it's, I do yeah. think it's a good thing. Would you like it flying over your house if it's steered over your house? When, when there's a choice. I'm, so move, a I'm, choice. Moving, I'm moving into the flight path. I'm, I'm actually moving house at the end of the month into, into under a flight path. So, yeah, I kind of know that if but I you move... you like more. Well, no, I know that if... I, I understand that if I, if I live near an airport, the airports are going to grow, and that's kind of part of it, and I've accepted yeah, that. Yeah, but, but I don't... That's not what I said. What I said is, do you think it's reasonable when yes, there's I a do. choice between flying directly over a community and not and flying over open countryside, you yeah. think it's better that they fly over no, a community? No, no, that wasn't the question. That, that wasn't the was question. the question. The question was, no, no the, question, the question wasn't do you think it's better, the question was do you think it's reasonable? And yes, I do think it's reasonable. You think it's reasonable to choose to fly over the community rather than over the open ground? Open country. I think it's reasonable. If, if it's better, I think it's mad. I think I, everyone listening would think it's mad. Well, no, no, no. You asked my opinion, and I've, I've given it to you. Yeah. You didn't ask it was better. You asked it was reasonable. Okay. okay. And we don't agree with your opinion because we think it's okay. reasonable when you have a choice, and there is a choice, to fly over okay. every countryside rather than to fly directly over a local community. Tim, listen, we've got to end it there. We invited the airport to join us on the programme. They declined. And, As usual. Uh, and gave us this statement. London Luton Airport recently conducted a full public consultation acro exercise across the three counties. We invited members of the public, local businesses and other interested parties to provide their feedback on our proposals, which aim to deliver an airport uh, that is at the heart of the region's economy, generating jobs and prosperity in a sustainable and environmentally conscious way. We intend to publish our findings shortly and in the light of this, it will be premature to comment on the development plan further at this time. Tim, thank you very much for coming in. Enjoy the rest of the day. Right, here's the tramps. If you want to give us a call, 08459 
555 or you can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. We're live in Flampstead at the Spotted Dog, uh, which becomes uh, a coffee house first thing in the morning. We can go and get cakes, and the cakes look fantastic, Sally. Sally's working, has been making us coffee all morning. The cakes look fantastic. I'm going to come have a chocolate cake in a bit. Uh, and there's coffees, there's all kinds of things. Uh, so pop down if you want to come and say hello. Don't touch me. That's the only rule I've got is please uh, don't touch me. You can get in touch as well if you want to. You just heard the discussion there about uh, the Luton expansion. Oh, my goodness, here comes Duke. Duke is the biggest dog in the world, honestly. He's the size of a small elephant, I think. Hello, Duke, you're right. Yes. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. 81333, starting your text 3CR. And if you want to see Duke, uh, then go to the Facebook page. The picture will be up there in about two minutes' time. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Morning! Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, live from Flamstead at the Spotted Dog. A lovely boozer that's got, they've got a proper log fire going, and we could smell it from outside the log fire. As I drove up, I thought, oh, is there a fire going on in there? Fantastic. It smells, it smells of Christmas. That's what it smells of. A log fire in a pub, it smells of Christmas. In the morning, it's a coffee shop, and we'll tell you a bit more about that uh, a bit later on. If you want to come down and have a cup of coffee and a bit of cake and say hello, you're more than welcome to, or you can give us a call, 08459 555555. Now, big cuts to council services in Luton are coming. They need to find a massive £48 million worth of saving over the next four years. Well, last night the councillors agreed to a number of significant cuts, but weekly bin collections have been saved. Our uh, political reporter, Paul Scoynes, was there. Morning, Paul. Hello, Ian. Hello. Uh, uh, Hello, Paul. Hello. Uh, (laughs) Testing one, two, three. Uh, I was following you on Twitter last night, and in many ways I wish I wasn't, because I felt I was living that meeting in real time. (laughs) In many ways you were. Sorry about that. There there was a lot of cuts that were being made. Do you want to give us some of the headlines from last night? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the highways budget is being slashed. Uh, That's going to be cut to the tune of about £658,000. Now, can, 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 how, what does that mean exactly? How are people? Because a lot of the cuts that were made last night uh, are, are cuts that people are actually going to start to notice now, aren't they? That's right. In the previous years, I think it's fair to say that we've had cuts to all sorts of councils across Beds, Hearts and Bucks, but they've tried as much as possible to make those cuts in those sort of areas where you don't see them, in the back office, so to speak. Mm. Now, I think it's coming home, and mm. and I think increasingly across all of our areas, we're going to start seeing this more often. So the highways uh, service budgets includes things like bus shelters, road markings, uh, sewer records, so maybe sort of keeping uh, track of, if you've had a, you know, a, a street which has got lots of leaf litter and suddenly the the sewers all block up that might be something festive lights ian so we're losing christmas and and other festive lights uh, over the next three years that's going to christmas is cancelled christmas is cancelled <laughs> in luton is that the case <laughs> that's the headline i mean oh. i think you know the, 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 alongside that winter maintenance which is also things like the pothole watching as well they're going yep. to not necessarily get rid of it completely but certainly cut it all back and and that's saving sort of over six hundred and fifty thousand pounds uh, street cleaning as well and that's i suppose uh, more more serious in some ways because that involves the loss of staff and we're looking at potentially a loss of around 22 members of staff you know street sweepers uh, drivers you know those kind of things as well uh, and also a bus pass a concessionary bus pass that's going to save around 350,000 pounds so who, who, who are, who are going to lose their bus passes school kids 
Well, it's concessionary bus passes, right. so there'll be some... Uh, anything, really, we're getting to the stage where anything that councils don't have to do, they won't now. Okay. So things that they were doing in the past, sort of out of, uh, you know, a, a sense of what, you know, this is what we should be doing, they're, they're looking at that a lot harder now. And also, you know, to that extent, we're looking at the, the flower displays, things like that, grass cutting, yeah. litter. Well, this is the thing that struck me, Paul. So you, you, you tweeted last night, was this true, or was this you being flippant, that the, 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 the grass cutting is, is being cut, so to speak, mm. and they set the height at what to which the grass can grow is that That's true right. yeah it says here the frequency of the grass cutting would reduce to as little as six to eight cuts per year on areas of highway and housing uh, grass would be cut to an approximate height of between 40 and 60 millimeters that's uh, four to six centimeters and, and you know probably two inches yeah. uh, could re- and, and could reach lengths of up to 200 to 250 millimeters before well, being just... cut yeah and, and how the flower displays the grass cutting how much is that going to save well, that's actually—it's quite a lot, actually. Bearing in mind that that budget is around three million pounds a year, yeah. uh, that saves one point four three million pounds. So that's a that's a fair what? saving. One and a half million pounds on flower displays and grass cutting. Well, well it is also things like litter collection ah. as well, uh, okay. and also some of the areas of conservation and shrubs. So what, what they're what they're saying is that you know, they can't afford to maintain the flower beds. They can't afford to do those sort of things if, at the same time, they're having to cut people's jobs. And I, I, listen, my tongue is slightly in my cheek there, but it, it is things <laughs> like this. No, it, it is things like this, isn't it, that makes towns kind of more attractive and and more pleasant to live in. Well, that's it. I mean, I had a chat with the chief exec a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying we need to be careful to not cut beyond uh, the the sort of limits of what people would find generally acceptable. So you can cut so much to the extent that the place that you live in doesn't actually then become a place you want to live in anymore and they don't want to reach that point where they where they almost sort of make it a place that doesn't really become attractive to to people who want to live there and also people who want to work there because for Luton that's where they get their increase that's where they get their money so uh, you know they have had that, that but the, the weekly bin collections have been saved as that, well that would have saved a million pounds a year though wouldn't it if they got rid of those absolutely yeah no so they've had to make some sort of uh, they were yeah, that was on the cards they were they were looking to do that and that's something they've resisted for a long time as other councils around the area conservative councils i have to say have have sort of gone with that but late last night eric pickles the secretary of state for the department of communities and local government uh, released a statement saying that 90 areas across the country have been given extra funding to mm. ensure that they kept a weekly bin collection because this is one of his big things and luton was one of those areas so uh, luton's got something in the region of 10 million pounds 10.8 million pounds i think it is i think there's some other places in our patch as well though i haven't had i'm afraid had a chance to look through the whole list but i know milton Keynes is up there as well 1.7 million pounds there the unions um must be very upset by all of this yeah they, they there was a protest last night outside town hall uh, about 20 people or so from the uh, from a couple of unions uh, were protesting they had their placards out and they were demonstrating uh, i get the feeling that they are trying to work with the council uh, i mean this is a labor council so they are you know clearly um somewhat sympathetic to the unions they did the the union did tell me though that there was a feeling of exclusion some in in some departments cases the unions were only given one hour's notice on the cuts before they had to inform their members now in some areas they were they were given two or three weeks notice so i get the feeling that there was a bit of frustration there from that point and to that end i spoke to richard gates from the unite union who was telling me that uh, the cuts are very concerning to their members 
and I'll play that in. So. We were always told that they would do everything they can to protect frontline services, and that's exactly where they're targeting now. You know, the refuge collections, they're all about doing away with food waste collection, uh, garden waste collection, they're all about, um, you know, cutting back on street services, cleansing, uh, cleansing in the street services, and these are jobs that our members occupy. They're low-paid members mainly, and they're the ones having to pay the price for a crisis that wasn't created by them. I couldn't quite make out what they were chanting there, Paul. Paul? Paul Scoynes? He's disappeared. We've lost Paul Scoynes, our political reporter. I wouldn't like to hint that maybe there's some form of sabotage or... Paul, are you back? <laughs> not, not, not well enough to continue this, Paul. It sounds like you've fallen oh. down the toilet. So I think we'll, I think I think we'll end it there. Thank you very can you much. Hear me now? No, oh, I no, can no. hear you now. You've, well, yeah. well done, Paul. It's just human a, error, just, to be honest. Ian. Just, just in time for us to say we've run out of time. So thanks very yeah. much. It was no ifs, no buts, no council cuts was the chance. So. Thank you very much. Well, thanks a lot, Paul, for coming out of the toilet there. Uh, no idea what happened to him. Poor lad, he's very clumsy. He often does fall down there. Paul Scoyne's our political reporter. Thank you very much indeed. And these cuts will be finalised at full council in a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks, and we'll speak to the leader, Hazel Simmons, then. And later on in the show, we're going to speak with a union rep and a councillor who's having to make the cuts. Good morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up in the next half an hour, we are celebrating community enterprises today. I'm at the Coffee Dog at the Spotted Dog in Flampstead, and we'll shortly be hearing from the head teacher at the prep school. And we have some very interesting news about the owners of the recycling centre in St Albans, the scene of the huge fire for the last two weeks. But now, it's the best pop song in the world. It's the Monkeys, Daydream Believer. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm live in a pub in Flampstead. I'm, I'm wandering. Look, 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 I'm going to come over here and talk to you. Is that all right? He oh, no, don't look embarrassed. Hello, what's your name? Sandy. Sandy. Now, Sandy, you're wearing a lovely coffee dog apron. Why? Because uh, I do the washing up more often than not. <laughs> well, they stick you out the back to do the washing up. Why don't they let you come out the front? Oh, I do come out the front, yeah. yes, but unless I bring my glasses, I can't see to make the coffee. <laughs> you, need, you need to have glasses to make the coffee, do you? Do you get a little bit, otherwise you can't see? So many different sorts, you know. How long have you... We'll talk. see the right buttons on the coffee machine, you get the wrong coffee at the other end. Which is the easiest coffee to make? Or Americano, I yeah. guess, yeah. And what's the hardest? <sighs> Everyone um, keeps talking about a flat white. I've flat, never even heard flat, of a flat yeah, white coffee. Uh, what is that? A flat white, you have, you're supposed to make a little design on the top of the frothy milk on oh, the top. Oh, really? Yeah. But has anyone ever complained and said, listen, you've not done a proper design on the top of my coffee? No. Okay, good. They well, wouldn't dare. And listen, <laughs> we're, I'm, I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm, you've got this massive dog, Duke, who listeners can have a look yeah, at if they go to the Facebook dog, page. Yeah. He's huge. He I'm is. a little bit nervous. No need to be. He's friendly, is he? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's have a quick look around here as well. We'll, we'll, we'll do more about this in a second, Mike. So we'll have a little look around and see what's going on. Morning, everybody. <laughs> Sally, good morning. You're, you're the... Now, you, how good are you at making coffee? Not too bad. Not too bad. Let's, can we put it to the test? Uh, why don't you make it? I, do, I will make one in a, in a little <laughs> bit later on. Can, yes. Let's see. Can, can you make us a latte, please? Yes, let's, see, let's see how good this is. Lattes are good. Lattes, They're easy. Yeah, Away you go. Go on. So let's ha let's have a look. We'll do, we'll, we'll do the show in a minute. I'm just I'm desperate for a coffee. Have you noticed? Yeah. How long did it take you to learn how to make proper coffee? Well, I've been doing it in ten months. Yep. And we're still learning a little bit all the time. So okay. soon I might be good at it. Well, there we go. Okay, let's see. And you struggle with the flat whites as well, do you? Oh, I love flat whites. <laughs> <laughs> I've never even heard of a flat white, and I know all the Ponzi coffees. You don't do skinny lattes or anything, any nonsense like that, do you? Yeah, of course we do. Would you like a skinny latte? No, I, no. Have a decaffeinated skinny latte. No, I need, I need caffeine at this time <laughs> of the morning, Sally. I it's need, called I need the a... why bother. Exactly. <laughs> 
Listen, while you're doing that, I'm going to nip off and do a bit of the radio show, and then I'll come back and grab my coffee. Is that all right? right Thank you minute. very much. If you want to pop down, you're more than welcome to. They do do a cracking coffee, and they've got some fantastic cakes as well, which is uh, always good. Cakes at 20 to 7 in the morning. Can you hear my coffee being made? That, can we do the show from, from a pub every morning? Why do we have to go to that stuffy BBC studio, for goodness sakes? Speaking of pubs, a community-run pub in Bedfordshire is officially 15 years old. The Village Swan in Ivinghoe Aston, near Leighton Buzzard, is the longest-serving community pub in the country. Our reporter, Tony Fisher, dropped in for a pint. Jill Dickinson, your company secretary of the firm that runs this pub. That's correct, and I'm also on the committee uh, of the team that actually helps with the running of the pub. So 15 years ago, it was the first community-run pub of its kind in the country. How much did it cost for the whole village to, to club together and buy the pub? Off the top of my head, I think it was about £140,000 at that time. Uh, and as I say, the village actually raised half that money and the other half was put in by a local benefactor. So that just shows the strength of feeling for this pub to work. Is that, is that the reason why this pub has worked for so long, for 15 years, do you think? It's difficult to say. I, I think it's primarily because it's brought the village together. Um, it's very community-based. The pub is the hub for a lot of other events around the village. Uh, the Diamond Jubilee, um, the pub actually put on a wonderful spread in the evening. Uh, we had a band in the car park. And it's just an absolutely delightful day. And without the pub, it, I think it would all have fallen a little bit flat. Sorry, what's your name? Chris Lennon. Chris, and what's your name? Tyra Fu. Tyra, OK. And you're residents of the village here? Yeah, for about six years. And uh, when you came here, were you aware of this pub being a community-run pub? Or? <laughs> yeah, yeah. When we came here, the first time we ever came to buy the house, we came in and a couple of the locals showed us their naked calendar that they'd done for, um, for a charity... And that was, that was the first time we ever came in when we'd just seen the house. And we thought, oh, they're either trying to put us off coming <laughs> or they're trying to make us welcome. What do you think of the pub and how's it changed over the years that you've been coming here? Well, it's great at the minute. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, we've, we've sang in the pub a lot, haven't yeah. we? We've yeah, done, we've done, we've quite done a lot. Gigs here. If this pub wasn't here, do you think you'd be living here? Or? We wouldn't know as many people, definitely not. We met all the people we, we know from in the pub, didn't we? But also, we thought about if we were going to move, and then the thing that stops us from moving is the people in the village, and we wouldn't know them if it wasn't for the pub. Yeah. So therefore, yeah, we may have thought about moving on. It's a very friendly pub. Yeah. Sharon and Steve, you're running this pub now, the new managers. You've only been here, like, a couple of weeks, haven't you, Sharon? Mm, not even two weeks yet. Um, yeah, my background is catering, uh, publicans. My mum was a publican for 40 years. Did have a hotel of my own on the Isle of Wight. So, um, a specialised hotel, romantic break. So, it's um, a bit different from that, but it's we're enjoying it so far. The locals are lovely people. And the idea is to keep it going, keep the custom going, keep people coming in and bring them in sort of from outside of the village as well. Yes, we want to um, create nice ambience in here, um, some fine dining, somewhere you can come along and rest. We also are offering afternoon teas and cream teas and coffees and things. Um, so yes, we'd like to get all the locals back to get the pub to, back to what it used to be. Good afternoon, British one. Excellent stuff. That was our reporter, Tony Fisher, at the Village Swan in Ivinghoe, Aston. Well, this morning, we're at the Spotted Dog in Flamstead, live. Come down, have a cup of coffee, a bit of cake. Lovely cup of coffee, Sally. Thank you very much.
There we go. Thank you. Now, <laughs> now uh, I'm joined now by Neil Jones, who is headmaster of St. Joseph's in the Park, independent prep school just outside Hartford, and also chairman of Governors at Flamstead Village School. Good morning, Neil. Good morning. Uh, what age group are the... St- oh, uh, we'll, we'll just switch your microphone on, don't worry. The technical things are being outside. Of course, none of it's going to work properly. Good morning, Ian. Good morning, Neil. Good, good morning, Mr. Jones. What age group are the students at St. Joseph's? St. Joseph's uh, 3 to 11. Okay, yep. so... The, that, that, that's, so, three to eleven years old, yeah. That's kind so of the, f- the fun six. age. Four, five, six is fun. Uh, it's the most important it's, age, yeah. Is it? Yeah, well, yeah. Why do you think it's the most important? Uh, grounding for the rest of your life. Yeah. If uh, we get the basics right, the building blocks, then we can send them on safely to senior schools, wherever they want to go, then on into life. If they're not prepared, ready, ready to learn by the time they finish at primary school, whether it's here in Flamstead or, or at my school, then... Uh, we're not quite getting the job right. Mm. I think those years are most important of all. And also, you get rid of them before they become annoying teenagers. Well, yeah. I, I know you probably couldn't say anything. Pro- my professional code of conduct prevents <laughs> me from saying too much. Uh, it must be a very... Re- re- years ago, in a different lifetime, I looked mm. at becoming a primary school teacher. Mm-hmm. And there are a shortage of male primary mm-hmm. school teachers. Yes, so I was welcome with open arms. Yeah. And I, I didn't for various reasons. Yeah. But it, it must be a very rewarding job because you are shaping yes. yeah. the, their yeah, lives. Ab- absolutely, it's it, it's it's form- is the most formative time of all, um, and I think it's perhaps a, a, a PR uh, issue that we, we need to address in in primary education. But but um, it, it is rewarding. Men can and do do a fantastic job when mm. they are involved in in primary education because it's the it's the role modelling um, as well as a, perhaps a different angle on the style of teaching. Yeah, yeah. I've got two little boys, three and one. So they're, 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 they're so we're sort of already looking at schools mm-hmm. and, and what and what that might mm. involve. They, they have a lot of kind of tests and mm. I- exams mm. before they get to 11. Yeah. Do you think there yeah, are too yeah. many with SATs and all that kind of stuff? There, there, it, it's a uh, double-edged sword. There has to be a uh, very good uh, assessment and tracking of children so you understand what their progress is. But you can't make a pig fat by weighing it. Is the adage? I've, uh, never, I've never, never heard that you, before you in my life. You can't make a pig fat by weighing it. It's a country term. We're in a village. You yeah, need some kind of rural, a rural. I like it. I'm going to use that as much as I can. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you need to know how much <laughs> it's growing by. Uh, and as you say, you can't yeah. make a pig fat by weighing it. So yeah. uh, this week, planning was given to develop uh, three primary schools in Hertfordshire. The council mm. stating there is a real and pressing need to mm. provide primary school places across mm. Hertfordshire. Mm. How do you differ to state schools in mm. terms of class size mm. and syllabus and things like that? Yeah. Um, so as a, uh, in my role as a prep school head, um, we have a maximum class size of 20. Wow. Um, um, one teacher plus an assistant so th- there is an advantage in terms of the contacts that we have um, but at chairman, as chairman of governors here in Flamstead we, we're a small village school of 115 mm. and we have uh, uh, two years per class so the, the classes are ma- uh, maximum size is 15, uh, 30 but there's 15 in each cohort right. each year group so there's an intimacy there um, and that's the advantage of this is a village school and why I think village schools can be incredibly successful because they're small, intimate, they know the families very well. Um, and the same in, in prep schools, mm. uh, particularly um, medium-sized ones like mine where, where we do, again, know the families very well, we know the children, children very well. Another thing that... Um, um, excuse me. Ofsted school ratings being published, is that a good idea? 
Mm, mm, school ratings. No, is, is this a conversation that should be having in the pub later? Absolutely, this is more for seven o'clock tonight, right? <laughs> yeah, okay. Seven o'clock this morning. Um, school ratings uh, again it, caught between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. Uh, they they are useful for some people to know. Yeah, they can be damaging. Parents, they? absolutely. Yeah. Uh, parents, well, they parents like comparisons. They like to compare schools. They like to compare. Ha- um, cars they like to compare houses they just like there's it's a human human nature um but it's the effectiveness of that Mm. measurement and and to a certain extent schools and um, we feel we just need to keep our heads down run with the run with a program of of assessment and uh publication of of results but at the same time be absolutely certain we know what we're doing here in flamstead or, or at my school um about giving a quality Education. We are professionals, so we do know what we're doing. However, the great and the good like us to prove that through some kind of metric. Neil, listen, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for teaching me. What was the phrase? You can't weigh a pig. You can't make a pig fat by weighing it. Neil Jones, thank you very much. Good morning, this is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, dear listener, this is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Live in Flapson. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Yeah, just <laughs> <laughs> There's a, a, a motley crew has turned up. Is, is that Neil? Are you still here? Have I mean, you got a school? You should be going headmastering. I, a little later. A little later. I've got. I have to finish my bacon croissant. Bacon croissant. It's not, not a bacon butter. It's a croissant. How posh. So if, if your, your headmaster hasn't turned up yet, it's because he's having a bacon croissant. We're going to talk to that motley crew in a second. But first, for nearly two weeks now, a major fire has been burning close to the M1 just south of here near Junction 8. Throughout that time, our reporter, Justin Dealey, has been bringing us updates from the scene and finding out how it's affecting local people and causing major traffic problems. Well, now the BBC has learnt that the operators of the Wood Recycling Centre, which caught fire, flouted safety regulations and ignored official warnings that their business was at serious risk. Our fire correspondent, Justin Dealey, is out and about. Justin, you can tell us more, can you? Yes, I can indeed, Ian. Um, As you know, we have been trying to get a comment from the people who operate this site, uh, the company being Wood Recycling Services Limited. They've been Avoiding our questions, well, the BBC has now discovered that the two brothers who run it, Adrian and Simon Lupsom, they've been involved in a series of similar fires here and elsewhere, which have involved investigations and criminal proceedings stretching back over 12 years. Just the, it's not just the fires near St Albans, which will be well known to our listeners. No, that's right, Ian. The, the, the most devastating incident was back in the summer of 2005. That was July 2005, when again, huge piles of wood caught fire at a site near Staples Corner in North London, also run by the Lupsom brothers. Now, you might remember the M1 and North Circular had to be closed, resulting in hours of gridlock, rail lines they were closed to, and investigations, well, they decided that blaze was accidental. But they were investigated again the following year. Yes, they were, this time by the London Fire Brigade at the Brothers Staples Corner site where they found serious hazards and the company admitted two charges. And that wasn't the first time they were in legal trouble. In 2000, Adrian Lupson and a former company were fined after they admitted three criminal charges relating to dangerous amounts of waste. Then in 2005... The company was told by the health and safety executive to stop all work under the power cables because of the dangers. And then in, two th- in 2009, it was, Adrian Lupson was in court again and missing three more safety offences and had to pay more than £80,000. And that brings us to the most recent situation. Yes, it does indeed. Um, last year, the National Grid began warning about the height of the wood piles and said a fire would melt the overhead cables with devastating consequences. In July this year, the environment 
Environment Agency, they warned that waste on the site was a disaster waiting to happen. As, of course, our listeners said, and the locals said as well, they were told to remove thousands of tonnes of wood, but the agency said they ignored that order, and just weeks later, as we know, the latest fire broke out. So have, have you managed to speak to the company? Have we heard anything from them to answer these, these criticisms yet? Well, we had a statement earlier this week. We very nearly had somebody from the company joining us live on The Breakfast Show on Monday. Uh, the company still are avoiding our questions, so our colleague Yvonne Hall, the BBC's Hertfordshire reporter, she decided to grab a word with one of the brothers, and here's a recording of a very brief exchange. Could we ask you why you're persistently, no dangerously ignoring safety rules on the site? No comment. No comment. We've made a comment statement, no But you haven't answered our questions. I mentioned it was brief, didn't I? So uh, we still haven't got any answers as to why the company keep ignoring safety laws, which could stop the fires happening in the first place. And Ian, as we speak this morning, it's day 13 of the fire at Apspon Lane in St Albans. Hearts Fire and Rescue still receiving lots of calls. You can still see it from Junction 8 of the M1. And of course, it will be there for throughout the weekend and maybe into, into next week as well. Justin Dealey, thank you very much. Good morning, dear listener. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm live in Flamstead. Uh, it is, we're in the Spotted Dog. And there's a load of people that have just turned up. So if you're going to excuse me, I'm just going to wander around. Have a little... Good morning, everybody. Good what, morning. You, what, now, listen, you're, you're pointing away at this gentleman here. So I'm going to come and speak to you instead. Why? She's far too glamorous. You're, you're very glamorous at this yeah. time of the morning. What's your name? I'm Angela. Angela, what, what are you doing here? Um... I've come to talk to you a bit later on about the new cookbook that we've oh. done in the village. Oh, fantastic. Well, well we should be having... A, are you, you going to be doing any cooking this morning? That's the question. No, no, I think you can enjoy the bacon croissant on the cakes here, <laughs> and then you can buy the cookbook and go home and cook the cakes. She, <laughs> she's good at Neil, isn't she good? I have her on my staff any day. She's good. Well, we've got a gentleman over here. We'll talk properly later on and uh, everything. What's your name, sir? My name is Mike Penning. And Mike, what, 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 uh, what brings you here? Are you here every morning? No, I'm the MP, and you invited me. You're we- <laughs> I know you're the MP, but and, you're just- and I've come to throttle you about your comments about the flight. So, oh, 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 am I in trouble now? Blimey! You are seriously in trouble in this village. I can assure you. Oh my goodness, am I going to get out alive? No. All uh, no. oh, right, okay, quick, get get the car running. We're going. We'll explain later. He asked for my opinion. He shouldn't have asked if he didn't want to hear it. Well, your opinion was wrong. Well, blimey, there we go. That's that's, uh, that's going to be fun. What what time are we are we are, are we talking to each other? Now. Okay. Genuinely, genuinely furious. This is going to be fun. And you, sir, we've not been able to shut you up all morning, have we? I haven't even started yet. <laughs> how, how are you doing? You sat nice and comfortably by the fire. Nice and relaxed, nice and warm. Well, the reason why we're nice and warm is that I, 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 I forgot to reset my uh, clock. And so, uh, thinking I was going to get up at half past four, I came downstairs, lit the fire, put the lights on, and realised it was half past three. <laughs> I'm, I'm, still, I'm, I'm still running on summertime. Hey, don't yeah, go out of the <laughs> That with me then. So the, the clocks changed about three weeks ago. I'm a little bit. I'm, I'm a little bit. Yes, we're in Flanster time, and we're, we're a little bit behind. Okay. And uh, this is—it's uh, a fantastic idea having a coffee house in a pub. I think the two integrate rather well. Yes, it, uh, the, the coffee dog was spawned out of the, the spotted dog, and the two work very well together. In, 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 they synchronise very well. well Excellent. Thank you. Well, we'll be talking later on. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. We shall come back in a bit. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. If you want to give us a call, you can get in touch uh, via text 81333, starting your text 3CR. Or, if you want to go to the Facebook page, you can have a look at all the fantastic pictures of this pub and this coffee house uh, Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, live in Flamstead. You can pop down if you want. They do a cracking cup of coffee. They've got some superb cakes here as well. And if you want it, if you want to come down and buy me a cake, it would be rude of me to say no. We're at the Spotted Dog in Flamstead. It's just 
sort of starting to get light out there a little bit. If you look that side, Gareth, you can see it. Honestly, I promise you. I wouldn't lie about something like that. If you want to see the pictures of the pub, uh, it's a fantastic place. Then uh, go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Do give us a call. We are celebrating community businesses today. If you want to give us a call, 08459 455 555. There's going to be a row between me and an MP. Oh, dear. Good morning. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's the 23rd of November. It's Friday. It's the weekend. Fantastic. I have nothing planned. I'm just going to be playing with the kids. don't know. Oh, no, it's, it's a Christmas fate at my mum's home tomorrow. That's what I'm going to go and do. Anyway... This morning we are celebrating community businesses. There are a growing number of them being set up across beds, hearts and bucks. From village shops to pubs to cafes, local people are getting together to prevent them from going under in the face of difficult financial times. I'm live now in the Coffee Dog Cafe in the village of Flapsid. Good morning, Coffee Dog! Good morning! There we go, you see a motley crew have turned up. Uh, We're in Flapsid in Hertfordshire. It's run by volunteers. It's been a cracking job. If you want to come down, a cup of coffee and a piece of cake, you're more than welcome. Got to pay for it, of course. It's not on the house. Coming up on today's show, Luton Airport wants to almost double the number of passengers that use it. The planning application goes in next week. Are you for or against the expansion? I'm joined by the MP for Hemel Hepsid, Mike Penning, to get his view. There are going to be big cuts to local services in Luton. We will reveal how you're going to be affected and find out why a community enterprise in a church in Moggerhanger in Bedfordshire is proving to be so successful. BBC Three Counties Radio. If you want to get in touch this morning, lots of ways you can do it. You can text in 81333, starting your text 3CR. You can give us a call, 08459 455 555. This morning, I thoroughly recommend, though, you go to the Facebook page as well. Have a look. Uh, we've got lots of pictures of the pub, lots of pictures of the Duke, the biggest dog in the world, um, and a big picture of a big bowl of vegetables as well. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Now, Mike Penning is the MP for Hamel Hepstead. We met before seven. Morning, Mike. Good morning. How are you this fine morning? I'm really well, and thank- welcome to one of the most beautiful villages in Hertfordshire. It's a cracking village. It is my first time. I-, I drove through it a couple of weeks ago, actually. It's the first time I've stopped. This is a nice little boozer, isn't it? It's lovely. It's a community pub, um, and it's what's great about it is that now the coffee shop is on the side of it, the community together, and we've got the church, we've got the school, as you've heard from the, the yep. governors earlier on. We've got the shop and the post office still. It's fantastic. What's nice about p- little pubs like this is in a world where everything is a chain, everything is owned by a big American brand, to see a proper old-fashioned boozer with a fire, with a huge dog, with a, with a nice community spirit as well. You can, it's like sitting in someone's lounge, to yeah. be honest. If you come in with your mates, you have a few beers, and it's, it's a great experience. And for me, even though I live down in the old town in Hemel, I can just pop up here. Most people know me. It's nice. I can just... You know, and then I do a kind of semi-surgery anyway over a pint, so it's great. <laughs> That's the best way. To, it is like being in someone's home when you've got these sofas as well. Look at this. Yeah, we yeah. live in the dream. And, and Duke walking around keeping a good eye on you. Now, you think Duke, Duke is, is very... Duke is the big calm. dog, yeah. Yeah, he's a big boy, isn't he? But he's specially trained yeah. to pick on radio presenters should they step over the line. What? what well, well, let's let's try and... Let's, <laughs> let's establish where the line is and then we'll see how far over we're going to step. Planning application to expand London Luton Airport is due to be submitted next week. Your views on it? It is the most controversial thing for my constituents as a whole, not just for Flamstead. I've been the MP eight, nine years. For the first seven years at least, not an issue. I used to come up to the village and come through. You'd see the planes, but you didn't usually hear them. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, 
the operators changed the flight paths. There's no argument about that. They've admitted that to me. I've been and met with them. And without no consultation, all of a sudden, it all came over the top of the And did they give any reason why, or they just did it one day? Well, they, they were on a trial initially, a pilot idea. Yeah. They've got no control. They really do not manage the airport properly. And that's why we have so much concern about, yes, we need to expand. I use Luton Airport. Yeah. The, the residents here, as you've heard, heard earlier on, use Luton Airport. But it has to be managed. It was supposed to, and they're still supposed to go between here and my, over the rural areas, which is what the gentleman earlier on yep. was trying to explain to you while I was laying in bed listening to you and spitting tax. Were you laying in bed listening to me? That's a, I was laying in bed li listening to you, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Mrs. Panning was not very amused because she was still trying to get some <laughs> Uh, but so, how, what, would you, what would you like to see done then? What, what would your ideal plan well, for expansion look, be? Look, we, we, we all agree that Luton Airport has to be a viable airport. It's been here long before a lot of the residents lived here, but it has to work yeah. with the community. Get the flight paths back to where they were, where they're supposed to be, which is the Civil Aviation Authority agree they should be. Mm. I've met with the management of the airport and we're pushing on it. But the big pressure here is coming from, interestingly, you're going to talk about Luton Council. So Luton Council own the airport. Yeah. They want money from it. They've put huge pressure onto the operator to increase the flight so they get more money coming in the other, other side. Without really realising the masses effects here in this community, and if you go to Stevenage and around there, you're going to hear exactly the same, yeah. but you won't hear it from Bedfordshire and Luton because it doesn't affect them in the same sort of way. They take the money, but they don't have the real effects on the community that it has here. There are protests going on. Do these prote are these protests going to have any effects? Well, protest means the public are really concerned. Um, and protest group and people coming together. We were just talking about this community pub. Yeah. This community has come together about the airport. Mm. Long before these plans were proposed, actually years ago when they started, you know, we stopped them having two runways, they'll try again sometime in the future. To make, they want to make this a Gatwick airport. You cannot make it a Gatwick airport with the sort of communities we have around here and that's why we're so opposed to it. So it's good the communities are coming together, like they did for the coffee shop, mm. like they've done on the pub up at Ivanhoe, to actually feel there's a community spirit. So if they come together, they're doing it for a reason. They've got better things to do with their life. Like, have a pint in here. Uh, we, we did invite the airport to come on uh, the programme. They declined us, declined the invitation, gave they, us this they statement. They don't decline meetings with me. Uh, do they not? But they, but they do it privately, oh, of you course. Sh yes, you should yes. come and work on our team, then, if you, well. if you can get them to come in and talk to us. They sent us a statement. Let me read this out. Uh, London Luton Airport uh, recently conducted a full public consultation exercise across, across the three counties. We invited members of the public, local businesses, and other interested parties to provide their feedback on our proposals, which aim to deliver an airport that is at the heart of the region's economy, generating jobs and prosperity in a sustainable and environmentally conscious way. It's a long one. We intend to publish our findings shortly, and in light of this, it will be premature to comment on the development plan further Sounds at this like time. Sounds it's written by a lawyer. <laughs> These things often are. Now listen, Mark, let's, 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 we didn't fall out. I was hoping we were going to... No, no, you were wrong. I was, the community was right, not just me. The community <laughs> was right. And that's the best way to be if you want to get out of your life. <laughs> Listen, I do, I do want to get out of life. I don't want my tyres slashed. Now, uh, um, mid-beds uh, MP Nadine Doris, been evicted from the jungle. Did you watch any of the jungle? She should be evicted from her seat. This is something for her community and for her associations. She's had a whip withdrawn. As far as I'm concerned, and I've said this probably not for the first time, you're elected to do her job. She's not doing her job. So in which case, the community is having to decide. Well, you've, you've, you've answered what I was going to say. Is she, she, is she going to be welcomed back by her constituents, do you think? That's a matter for them, but I know what my constituents would do with me if I buggered off in the middle of a jungle for... for Watch your leg. Well, listen, I've got to do an on-air apology because you're effing and uh, jeffing, for goodness sake. I did sakes. not eff. It's, it's, it's a Category C, and I, do, yeah. I, I know that we have young ears, so apologies if anyone was offended by the Category C. He's, uh, he's very passionate about it. So there we go. I'm a normal human being. Would you, go, would, would you go to the jungle? 40 grand, it's a lot of money. Uh, no. I've been in the jungle when I was in the army. 
you, you've if had she wants to go to the jungle, she should join up. Do you think, because her argument was that she was doing it to change the perception of politics and MPs by making it, you know, taking it to a populist environment. Do you think that she's succeeded She's in elected to do a job. Her job is to represent her constituents, not muck around in the jungle eating bugs. If she wants to do that, do that in our holiday time. Don't do it in our time. Uh, we, listen, the fire, you've probably heard about the recycling yeah. centre in St Albans. We had a little report on that today, day 13. Should businesses like that be allowed to operate so close to the M1 and to, to uh, residents. I, I used to be the roads minister until I was moved to other pastures recently, and we did look into, particularly around the, the viability of the motorways, because it used to be the M10, now the A414. Mm. I know that I spoke with the fire service about it. But what we have to be careful here, we don't jump to conclusions. So, I mean, for instance, I've heard this one, the fire is still going. It's going because the fire service, quite rightly, yeah. have managed a fire and let it burn. So oh, they've they done a cracking so job. They, yeah, absolutely brilliant. As yeah. an ex-fireman, you know, you know, and I know the boys and girls that have been up there doing it, yeah. and we didn't want the situation that we had at Bunsville, where huge swathes of my constituents were polluted because of the amount of water we threw onto it. So, they've managed the fire and they've let it burn. Now there'll be an inquiry and then they will make the decision as to who did the right things, who did the wrong things. Mm. At the end of that, I want businesses in my community, but I want safe businesses. Yeah. I know some of the people at the work there are now worried about their jobs. Mm. So let's be careful as we move this forward. Have you been down there to see it, if you know the... I've, the, seen, I've, the, I've seen it. I, I saw it before it uh, 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 the fire. Yeah. Um, and I've seen it... Well, you can't not see it if you drive to 414 no, on the old M- M10. It's still smouldering and, and the smoke is an issue. But we mustn't jump to conclusions. There will be a proper investigation. These are experts that will do it, not you and me at half seven on I know, a Friday it, it, morning. It is fun, though. <laughs> when you talk about this on the air, you get everyone, everyone is suddenly an expert on how you put a fire out. Yeah. And we've had so many... We had someone the other yesterday, I think it was, suggesting that we get an aeroplane to drop a load of water yeah, on Yeah, they suggested that when we had Bunsfield. Right. One of the things I said to John Prescott when we had Bunsfield is once you've controlled the fire, in other words, it's not going to expand any further, please don't massively pollute my environment by chucking millions of gallons of water onto it. We, I think that's what they've learned from yeah. Bunsfield into this fire. So turn around, turning over and damping down, which is what they're doing now, I sound very technical because that's what I used to do for a living. Uh, one of the strange politicians that had other jobs, but... Uh, <laughs> That's right. Uh, Decorum Council, which covers here in Flamsted, we're covering everything today. We're getting our money's worth with you this morning. Uh, It's part funding a £12 million scheme to help first-time buyers get on the property ladder. There are some people that might say that councils shouldn't be allocating money to these types of projects in the current climate. What do you think about that? I think it's absolutely the right thing to do. The council has um, a pot of money from the sale of council houses, the right to buy. Mm. They can't use that from revenue. They have to use it for capital projects. Now, if it's come from housing stock and it's being put back into housing stock, what better project they allow young people to get onto the housing level. Property around this part of the world, particularly here in Flamsted, but even in, down in, in Hemel, is very expensive because of the proximity to London. So I think it's an excellent project. I have a fantastic council in decorum, and this is a sort of you know, forward-thinking project, which is sensible. Uh, and finally, it can be a nightmare getting in and out of Flamsted at peak oh, times, so I've been told. Former Roads Minister, what sure. would you suggest can be done to relieve... Checkers Hill is where you're, you're, the, most people are referring to. What can to. be done to relieve the traffic uh, wh- congestion? Wh- I'm not the Roads Minister now, so I can speak a lot more openly and honestly about right. it. The A5 is actually managed by the Highways Agency. Uh, the Checkers Hill coming down onto it is a very dangerous junction. I don't think anybody disputes that. And the meetings I've had down there where the high- Highways Agency have agreed that there are projects that can be done and are being worked on um, and there's some land that's been given by a local um, a farmer 
the projects are in the pipeline. Okay. In the meantime, I would just stress, it is a dangerous junction, so everybody be really careful down there, especially if you're turning right. Finally, you've grown a moustache from November. It's looking good. Is Mrs... you noticed? Yeah, just, well, someone <laughs> you wouldn't have noticed for the first three weeks. Is, has, has Mrs Penning, is, is she, does she like it or is she Mrs. hating Penning, it? Well, one of the reasons I uh, did this is because I was told by my daughter's home from university now, and my wife, don't you dare. <laughs> there you go. And so don't, there don't dare it is. A dad, yeah. And, uh, and um, seven days from now, I'll cut it off for good. It'll never come back, ever. I hate it. It's revolting. <laughs> it makes me feel as if I've got something off my dinner stuck on my chi- under my nose well, all the time. Well, so there we are. But we made a few quid, course. and it's a very important course. Mike, we didn't fall out. Wait and see. We're still going to kick off our Mike Penning. Thank you very much for coming in. You're welcome. Morning. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties. We're live at the Spotted Dog in Flamstead, and we're all having... I've been given a fantastic little Spotted Dog cakey, which I shall be eating in a minute. So, Justin, when we do your report, you take as much time as you want, fella. In the next few minutes, many of Flamstead's children will get on the bus to school, but that hasn't always been the case. Most children from the village go to school in Harpenden, but last year, Hertfordshire County Council stopped the school bus service to the town. The parish council got involved, and after long discussions with local bus companies and the council, they got agreement for a public bus service which gets the kids to and from school. But it hasn't gone smoothly. To explain some of the problems they've had, Justin is at the bus stop with some of the parents and children. Justin? Yes, thank you, Ian. I'm live at the bus stop. As you say, uh, the school bus service, that stopped, and, and that's when all of these problems started, really. I'm told this morning that one of the Harpenden schools, that'll be Roundwood Park, has an inset day today. So, so not as many children as normal waiting at the bus stop this morning. But with me live now is Lucy Mortimer, whose son Charlie, who's 11 years old, goes to St George's School in Harpenden. Lucy, good morning. Welcome to the programme. Since September, your life has been hell, really, with this bus service. Uh, Just explain what's been going on here. Um, Yeah, my son attends St George's, and there were quite a few initial teething troubles because of... um due to the large numbers of children from the village going to Roundwood. And we were told that that had to be sorted out first before the St George's pupils could be sorted out. Um, it did seem to settle down from the point of view of my son actually making a home most days. However, since half term, the problems are returning. One of the bus drivers didn't actually know where Flamstead was and had to be directed here from Redbourne. You are joking. No. Right. Um, and on another occasion... The bus driver got to Redbourne and then said all the St George's children had to get off the bus because he wasn't coming on to Flamstead, um, leaving the children stranded there with no means of getting home. They did try to get on the centre bus, which they had a pre-arrangement with if this type of thing happened, but centre bus refused them on. Um, And I just feel there's been no communication with the parents, not even responding to my emails. Um, Luckily, we've got a great parish council who in the last two days have managed to get a new timetable sent through to us. So we're talking about Uno buses here. You're telling us this morning on Three Counties Radio that the bus that your son gets on, who's 11 years old, he was left stranded. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, as a mother, how does that make you feel? Um, Well, how do you think it makes me feel? (laughs) Tell us. Well, I turned up to Redbourne High Street having got the phone call luckily my son has a phone and he phoned me and told me i turned up there and it was just complete chaos on redbourne high street all the st george's kids were just hanging around trying to wait for lifts off friends a lot of parents worked so they weren't being picked up 
Um, and I just thought it was disgraceful that we've paid all this money and there was no way of them getting home. We'll come on to the price in just a second. I'm also told that in terms of the times, your son goes to St George's, I think there's one day a week where he's literally got to run out of his class to get the bus. If he misses it, again, he's on the phone to mum. Yeah, I mean, in Uno's defence, they have the timetable now has changed and it's not a case of them having to run for the bus. They have made the time home later. But it used to be but, that way. But it used to be that way. Um, and now it's, I mean, it's actually leaving almost too late. So it's taking an hour now for my son to finish his last lesson and to come through the door home. And to me, again, it's a journey of just four miles. And I mm. think to take an hour is slightly extreme. But it's lucky, of course, that, that you are around. You can go and pick your son up because other parents might not have that luxury. How much are you paying for your son's bus pass every year? Um, it's over well over three hundred pounds for the year. Good value for money? No, not good value for money in my book. Um, I mean, on a Friday at the moment, there is no bus home to Flamstead from St George's unless they wait in school for an hour. Um, there is a bus they can catch to Redbourne and then change. But to be honest, all in all, I'm still very dissatisfied, um, especially from the point of view of my emails not being responded to. Um, and I would like to say this opportunity to ask on air if I could have a refund for the rest of the year. I feel our needs aren't being met and the type of service being provided is still very erratic and I have little faith that things will change. I mean, our, our voices aren't being heard. It's only when the parish council gets involved that things are done. Um, and to quote Mr Finn, he said that things will be sorted in due course. It's been 12 weeks and well, my due course is basically used up now and I haven't got faith in, yeah. you know. I can see the frustration. I can hear the frustration. Um, that offer to Mr Finn from Uno Buses is there right now, that invitation. If you'd like to join us live on the programme before 9 o'clock, that's there for you. I mean, with the stress and anxiety since September with this bus service, have you been tempted to leave Flamstead because of this? No, I'd never, no, never leave the village. It means too much to me. I love living here. Your stress <laughs> levels must be incredibly high. They are, and it's, and it's the fact that I've got three children um, and the unreliability of this service. Almost every day I'm thinking, is he going to be home soon? Um, the nights are going to draw in. If it snows, we live up in Flamstead on a hill. Will the bus drivers mm. want to come up here? And I've just, yeah, I've got little faith really some people would say 11 year old children should not have mobile phones but in this case of course it's been oh, a yeah. savior really for you because he yeah. can say mum i'm stranded this is where i am you yeah. need to pick me up otherwise i'm going to be stuck here and an 11 year old child stuck and stranded somewhere that's simply yeah. not safe it's and it's not acceptable when you've paid this money and you're expecting a service i'm just saying it's yeah it's disgusting to be stranded like that okay on a positive note just lastly here on a positive note we're in Flamstead this morning Morning. I've always loved this village. I love the Scarecrow Festival. I think that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. In your opinion, as somebody who lives here, what's the best thing about living in Flamstead? Um, to me, the best thing about living in Flamstead is um, just all the people are fantastic. There's always someone there for you if you need something. And likewise, you, you just help each other out. And it's, yeah, it's a lovely place to bring children up in. Lucy, really appreciate your time. I think we need to take you in the pub now. Ian's got to see this woolly hat of yours. Where did you get that woolly hat from? It's outstanding. Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like you're going skiing this morning. Well, yeah, yeah. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much indeed for your time. Um, your son Charlie's about to get the bus very, very soon. Have a good day. Have a good weekend. Thank Thanks you. Thanks very much. Thanks for the opportunity. Pleasure. There you go. That thank was uh, you, Lucy Mortimer joining us live this morning. So clearly a few problems there. And again, that invitation to Uno Buses to join us before nine o'clock stands. Thank you very much, Justin. Thank you. Headmaster, you're still here.
There are, there are children that need educating, for goodness sakes. Um, well, we've got the guides coming up in a minute. Well, my daughter, anyway, okay. to, to, jo- to join the, the Jenny here. OK, yeah. well, well, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, I'm joined by Tom Bedwell. Morning, Tom. Good morning. Uh, uh, now, that might, you, you have to be careful when, in November, when you ask gentlemen about their moustaches, whether it's for Movember or whether it's a permanent fixture. Is that, is that a real one? This is a, this is a, this is a Movember moustache. It's, it's pretty fantastic. You've gone to, really gone to town with that. Yeah, yeah, they change every year. There's a, a hand bar this year. You, you started the Coffee Dog. How long has it been running? Uh, since January this, this year, so uh, just 12 months. Well, what, what are we now, 10 months? Yeah. And why did you start it? Why was it important to do this? Um, well, basically, it, it is a community project that I started uh, in the first place. What we're looking at is uh, pubs have changed over the last 10 years or so. Um, the smoking uh, ban in pubs uh, helped the atmosphere in pubs. And um, pubs are generally st- struggling up and down the country, closing uh, at a rapid rate. So what could you put in a pub that utilises the space that they don't use? So um, we thought, put a coffee, coffee house in there. Uh, people come in, use that space, and you can pay the, the landlord some uh, rent to, to rent the space off him. So that's the basic premise. And the, the, the volunt- it's got volunteers that are working here. How many volunteers do you have? We, we have volunteers now. There's probably a pool of 20 volunteers that come in and, uh, and run the run the coffee dog uh the key thing is uh good coffee <laughs> it is good coffee and i've not had the cakes yet but the cakes look cracking as well yeah yeah the, the cakes are good and we have a, a, a volunteer base of, uh, of of cake makers that come in and provide those which is great what happens to the money uh the money goes to the church so the the fund at the church um friends of st leonard's um, look after the fabric of the church uh, we've got a very old and delightful church here in Flampstead and uh, it needs upkeep so that's where it goes a lot of people would say that, that's, that's kind of a noble thing to do with, you know, to give all the money to the upkeep of the church um, well uh, I was running it as a business till about two months ago uh, when I, I've just returned to full time education uh, which is a surprise at my age I know but there we go um, so uh, what could we do? We either shut this, uh, th- this lovely thing that we've started or, or we carry on. And volunteers came in and they've, they've now taken it over. Can I ask what you're studying? Uh, environmental management. How's that going? It's, it's fantastic. There's lots of challenges out there, I can tell you. Is it? Because I've often thought about doing education again, but the thought of going back at, at age 40, it does, it, is it weird going back to kind of a school environment? It is very weird. And the major thing that's changed is uh, your reference your reference points. I mean, the, the internet is huge now. When I was at last at university, we had three books in the library, you know, and, and uh, if you weren't there quick enough, you didn't get them. But now there's, what, 100 papers and everything you look at. So, it's Tom, thank you very much. It is a cracking ven- venture. If you want to come down, they do do excellent coffee, as you've just said. They do excellent cakes as well. I'm joined by Miranda Motley. Hello, Miranda. Hello, nice to meet you. Now, you, are you... Thank you, the headmaster keeps moving. He's excellent, isn't he? Uh, <laughs> bless you. Thank you, sir. Miranda, you... Uh, why do you come here? What do you get out of being here? It's, it's a wonderful atmosphere. We have meetings here. It's, you know, it's just, it's lovely. And it's warm atmosphere and friendly, very friendly. Everyone's been very delightful. Even, even the MP who was, who was gunning for me. Mike, Mike was gunning for me, but I think we made peace in the end, didn't we? Just. <laughs> do, you, uh, do you volunteer here as well at all? Yes, um... I, I make the little shortbread bones. Oh, you make the shortbread bones? We've been enjoying those. Thank you very much. That's, a, that's an absolute pleasure, and it's a, it's a pleasure to do things for, for, for here, and it's, it's nice to contribute to the church, which is very important to our village, and it does need an awful lot of money to keep it going. Mm. Angela, you're, you, do you make any of the cakes as well? I do, yes. But w- we, between us, we've just done a, a cookbook 
uh, Mortivica, it's called, strangely enough. Uh, it had its origins. We did uh, Macmillan, the biggest coffee morning in the church, and people were asking for the recipes. So we decided to do a cookbook, and this is an aid of the restoration of the church. Uh, all part and parcel of the, the whole... Right. Yeah. How much is the cookbook? Three pounds. Yeah, put me down for one of those. I'll, I'll have one of those. Um, are they all your own recipes in there? They're all all local recipes, um, well well tried, family oh, yeah. recipes. <laughs> Several times. Well, well, Angela and I are actually we qualify for being Flamsteed's answer to the two fat ladies. <laughs> I'm not saying a thing, uh, Angela. Very quickly, I'm, I'm a terrible cook. Give me one recipe in there that I could go and do this weekend without making too much of a mess. Recipe. What would you recommend? In fact, you could try any of those because they all work. They're very easy. Very, it's, very it's, it's extremely easy to do any of the recipes. Any, even the novice baker can take any of those and do them. The novice baker. What a polite way of saying I'm an idiot in the kitchen that can't do anything. It's true. I'm terrible. Uh, not at all. Not at all. Anybody can do anything in that book. Very quickly, I've seen some of the cakes around the corner. Have you, are you responsible for any of those? Yes, I've made the spotted dogs. I shall, I sh I've got a spotted dog. I shall have one of those. And Miranda, Angela, thank you very much. Love you. Put me down for one of those. I'll give you some cash in a little bit. We are at the Spotted Dog in Flamstead. If you want to come along, have a cup of coffee, try some of these fantastic cakes, then do pop along. Uh, you're more than welcome. Right. That's right. That's me sitting down like an old man. <laughs> this is yes? Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's try again, shall we? Thank you very much. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, live at the Spotted Dog uh, in Flapsit. Morning, Spotted Dog! Morning! You see, now they're all turning. Where were you at six o'clock, for goodness sakes? We were here waiting for you. Very, very busy. Come down, get a cup of coffee, get a nice cake, uh, and it's a lovely atmosphere. There's a proper log fire going as well. You can't beat being in a boozer with a proper log fire. Although it is weird being in a pub at 7.30 in the morning. It's been, it's been many years since I found myself in that situation. Uh, coming up in the next half an hour... Find out why people here in Flamstead are so fed up with traffic congestion in the village. And there was a protest last night over council cuts being made in Luton. We'll have more details in about 15 minutes. Well, we can talk now to Hilary Killen here, here at the Coffee Dog. Good morning, Hilary. You're right. Morning. Yes. Are, are you normally here at this time of the morning? Not normally. No. No. Thanks very much for the uh, invite. Thank you very much for coming down. You're chair of the parish council. That's right. We just heard how the council got involved with the bus service for school children. Uh, I know that one of the other big issues in the village is uh, getting in and out of it. There's a lot of problems with, with traffic, aren't there? What, what are the problems with the A5 junction? Well, they're massive problems, particularly at commuting times, as you would expect. Um, that, uh, that, that Trying to get out um, from the village onto the A5, particularly if you're wanting to turn south, um, is a major problem. Um, and it's a major, major road safety issue. Um, the flow of traffic coming out from the M1... Um, not going north and the flow of traffic going uh, south uh, back onto the M1 uh, makes it virtually impossible to um, get out onto the A5. Um, we've got um, well over um, a thousand households here all trying to get out to work. Uh, we've got people who need to service those um, uh, residents um, and it is uh, becoming a problem primarily because of the number of um, near misses and the accidents. 
There are accidents happening. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had my Range Rover written off for a start. Uh, that's wow. a small car. That's a lorry's come out of the uh, SO, um, which was formerly the Shell lorry park. Yeah. You've got another. Um, when did that happen? That must have been terrifying. Uh, well, yes. Um, that was. It was. Um, and, and it is. That's that's the whole yeah. point. It impacts not just the residents, but it impacts all the road users. Mm. Um, and it's a it, it's a serious safety issue. What can be done about it? Well, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Um, it has been an ongoing problem. Um, and thanks to uh, Mike Penning, he's been very, very helpful and he's been instrumental in helping us engage the Highways uh, Agency um, in um, discussing um, possible solutions. Uh, we had a site visit earlier on this year um, and actually a, re a representative of the Highways Agency is coming to a parish council meeting uh, in a couple of weeks' time to tell us what the current situation is. Um, the difficulty is we've got nothing tangible to show as a result of the discussions. Right. What we're hoping, um, and I've got a plan with me, for example, here today, where one of the options is to have a, a roundabout, um, which would actually ease the traffic flow, and hopefully um, we may be able to come to some sort of uh, um, things like that sound like a good solution. idea. They take so long, though, don't they, to, to be made reality? Well, they take a, a long time, absolutely, and what we've got to do is to make sure that the solution actually is an effective solution yeah. um, and we're not jumping from the frying pan into the fire as it were but I think that um, the other is, of course issue today for the highways agency and so they're saying constantly is the funding issue mm. and that's you know part of the problem is the funding um, so hopefully we'll find out a bit more about it but there are other options um, they've already rejected one which was a central refuge the possibility may be to have phased traffic lights that might help so we're discussing these solutions with them and, and, and we are hopeful um, but we've got to just keep plugging on at it. We can't let it go. Uh, now, Hillary, it's, it's everybody's safety. We are, we're in the, the coffee dog, which, which in the morning is a lovely coffee shop, in the evening is a spotty dog, a lovely boozer. And, and restaurant. Oh, and a restaurant. I know I've seen the, the food board next door yes, as well. I think yes. look, we might be popping back for lunch at some point next week. Why are, are projects like this so important to, to communities, do you think? Well, uh, because all, it all goes towards your general well-being of living where you do, being comfortable with your environment. And safety is critical. Families, it's of concern to families, children, bicycles. Um, safety is, is, fun, is a fundamental requirement uh, for, for the happy condition of living, really. Um, and that's what we all come. And Flamsted is a lovely village. Um, we're a community of, of um, uh, pleasant people, as it were. And um, uh, we want to continue with a convivial environment. And, mm. you know, safety is, is at the core of that. And it is, uh, and what I'm getting from being here this morning, that there is a real sense of community, and it, it's important, isn't it, to kind of hold on to that, I would imagine. It is, very, very much so. Um, and um, we've got a lot of other things going on. Safety is just, you know, road safety is obviously critical. Um, there are other community issues. There's the buses that you've talked yeah. about. Uh, one of the things that's also drawing the community to get together are the adverse impacts of the Luton Airport uh, expansion proposals. Um, and um, we've also got something a little bit more domestic uh, for us, which is, um, what's going to happen to our, our pavilion? That's something that uh, we're spending a lot of time on. Got, what is going to happen to the pavilion? Well, that's what we're trying to work on. Um, we uh, are trying to uh, work. We've got uh, various groups within the village together to brainstorm what they want, um, and we're going through that process to find out what they want and what we can do towards um, uh, achieving that. Hilary, thank you so much for coming in. I know it's early. I appreciate your time, and uh, best luck sorting out that traffic problem. Okay, thanks thank very you very much. much. Thanks. This is Ian Lee, um, Three Counties.
Radio. It's 7.38. We're live in Flamston this morning at the Spotted Dog. Or the, the, if you want to pop down and have a cup of coffee, you're more than welcome to. You can also give us a call as well this morning. 08459 455 555. Today from 12, Nick Coffer, he's out and about as well. Are they, are, are they cleaning the studios or something? It's about time. Uh, he's in Bedford. He's going to be at Russell Park meeting people from the local community at 12 o'clock today. Now, there are several community-run shops in the three counties. The one in Moggerhanger in Bedfordshire opened in June 2000 thanks to a Millennium Grant. It's run out of the local church. We sent our reporter, Tony Fisher, along to find out how they've managed to last so long. Sorry? Oh, is that, have we lost that report? Has Tony Fisher gone? Tony Fisher has disappeared. We have lost Tony Fisher. We'll do our best to try and get that back, and no doubt I'll be informed in my ear when he does. This is Ian Lee. We're live at uh, the uh, Spotted Dog pub in Flamson. Morning, Spotted Dog! Morning! There's, there, there's actually a real dog now scampering around, for goodness sakes. Look, it's dog, cr- it's dog crazy here. I, I, I think... Who, who's that? That's not Duke. Oh, it's Duke's lunch. Yes, he could he could manage that easily in, in one swift chomp. I think we can go back now to Tony Fisher and find out uh, what's been happening in Moggerhanger. Dorothy Bashford, you were involved with this community shop from the beginning, weren't you, back just, in two thousand? Gone up through the aisle, and it's a little village shop tucked away behind the behind the organ. <laughs> in a little corner of the church, fully stocked. Yes. Honey, biscuits, yes, a bit cards, of, a bit of this cleaning products. Much. Yes, medicines, uh, cat food. And so you started in 2000 with a Millennium Grant of, what, £2,000? Yes, that's right, yes. Um, uh, so you've been going almost 12 years. Yes, and uh, all voluntary, all run by volunteers. So we have a rotor. We're open for two hours every day from 10 o'clock till 12. And people can come in and they can do a little bit of shopping. And then it's also a meeting place. So we've got the facility at the back of the church to make tea and coffee. And coffee. they can sit and have a chat. Yeah, that helps yeah. bring people in, I well, imagine. Yes, um, yeah. yes, yes. It uh, gets quite, uh, quite noisy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Judith Mooney, another volunteer. Another what's, volunteer. Your, what's your role <clears throat> here? In the... I run the publicity side of it, keeping a high, a pro, a high profile. That's important, isn't it? Very, yes. You've um, got to keep, keep it in people's minds. Indeed. And recently we've been doing a lot more in the Village magazine. We used to have... We've always had a, an insertion in the Village magazine, but nowadays we do a whole page. What keeps yeah. it going, do you think? Is it the spirit, the, the fact that it's in a church, or the, the fact that you've got not just a shop, but you've got coffee mornings as well allied to that and people doing walking groups around that and that sort of thing it's a general it's it's the whole thing isn't it it's not just the shop no it's not just the shop very much not just the shop although the shop is what keeps us going um and we are actually in the process at the moment of raising the profile of this side of it the coffee shop side coral you're one of the volunteers here in the the church here in the community shop um why did you why did you get involved it's lovely you meet all the people in the village and it's such a good service uh one gentleman came in only last week and he said 
oh, you're not very busy, are you? He said, but I would hate for you not to be here. It's so convenient. And yeah. it is lovely. It really does serve the village well. And it's lovely. I, I've just thoroughly enjoyed being a part of it all. Tony Mooney, you're the treasurer here. That's right. A community-run shop in Moggerhanger. Um, tell us about the nitty-gritty, the funding, because I understand that you nearly made the decision to close it all down, but you, you carry on going. But we got to the point where we were just breaking even. So we, we had a committee meeting and we, we looked at it and we decided it was a worthwhile project. The village liked it and we were going to carry on. We'd very much like it to go on for a lot longer. Thank you very much. We got that report in the end. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, we're joined now by uh, an artist who's displayed at the Coffee Dog, Lucy Levinson. Good morning, Lucy. Good morning. Uh, how has the Coffee Dog helped you in your business? Oh, well, it sort of started a couple of years ago, um, and um, I was in um, an ask calling Country Living magazine and for table talent, and then sort of Claire table, table talent. Table talent. That sounds like lap dancing. Club it does. Or something. <laughs> Welcome to table talent. Table talent. <laughs> business is to be. You know, business to be. Yeah. And, and Claire sort of saw me through that and through um, Claire, who's, you know, with her husband Tom from yeah. the Coffee Dog. And also I was selling in a little um, shop in Burke Hampstead um, called Luminous and Vogue. And she sort of saw my work and contacted me and wanted me to come and put stuff in her shop. I mean, well, the coffee dog, not shop. Yes. And uh, it sort of went from there, and um, people sort of t- picked my business card up and, you know, contacted me. And has it helped business? Have, 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 it you, has. have you had business yes, out of it? Yes, yes, I have had business out of it. You know, people contact me, look at my website, and then say, oh, can you make me some cushions? Can you do me a painting or, or whatever? So, yes, it's been very helpful. You might as well give a little plug. What is the website? It's, um, the website is... Oh, oh, oh my oh, goodness. Oh, how, 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 how could you not... You're, you're broken oh, Britain, you are. Hold on, She's hold rummaging on. around in her hold handbag. On. I've to got, find her website. I can't even say because I've got the glasses on. It's oh, oh. www. It's your it's your name. <laughs> dot com. How can you not know that? <laughs> It's LucyLevinson.com. <laughs> How could you forget that? I know. No, it's too early in the morning. Have you, are you sure you've just been indulging in the coffee here and not something perhaps a little bit stronger, Lucy? <laughs> I wish it was something a bit stronger, actually. <laughs> I'm sure we can sort of... LucyLevinson.com yes. is the place to go if people want to have a look. Yes. Go and have a lie down, love. Maybe we'll speak to you a, bit, <laughs> right. a little bit later on. Right. Right. Good morning, listeners. Good morning, Flamstead. Morning. 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 You're headmaster, for goodness sakes. Well, you know, it... It's just such a great morning here in the village. I didn't want to miss anything. I do. I want to be a part of this. Who was, who was it playing on the keyboards? Was that you? No, that was your, that was your man over oh, there. Oh, that was him showing off. Gareth yeah. showing off, for goodness sakes. Uh, uh, Delphi, is that right? Yeah. Delphi, can I ask, how old are you? I'm 11. 11 years old. And why, w- w- do you come here quite often for cups of coffee and bits and pieces and cakes? Well, yeah, it's a village pub, so... And are you in any way connected with this gentleman, the headmaster, who sat behind me? He's my dad. Hey, I'm so, so sorry. Well, can... <laughs> is, he, is he a good dad? Yeah. It, it, what, what's, she's got to give, Christmas is coming up. Got to get all the right answers. Uh, it, what's kind of the best thing? That he, is he quite lenient? Or is he... It must be weird. I've always thought it'd be weird to have a dad or a mum who is a teacher, a headmaster especially. Is that a bit weird? Is he a bit strict sometimes? Well, he's not really strict around the house. It's strange to see him when he's at school, though, because he's, like, in a different sort of personality. Do you, so. do you, go, do you go to the same school as that he works at no no that would be awful wouldn't it that would be the worst thing that could happen yeah. surely for whom <laughs> for everyone involved uh, now listen tell us a little bit about yourself so are you 11 years old are you married no <laughs> okay what, what do you do for a living um well 
I go to school. <laughs> you go to school. That's fair enough. And what kind of what kind of stuff do you do at school? What's what's your favourite thing to be doing? I like English. Yeah, I like creative writing kind of. Oh, so you're you're a little bit of a writer yourself. Yeah, I guess. What kind of stories, poems, all that kind of bits and pieces? Uh, uh, Nano Rima. Talk about Nano Rima. Nano Initiative at uh, Roundwood Park School. Let's have a listen. Nana, what's Nano Rima then? What's that? It's um. It's like National Novel Writing Month, and it's where you have to try and write a novel in a month. It's really hard. Wait, hang on a minute. There are so many things there that, that sound crazy. You're 11, you're writing a novel in a month. That sounds ridiculously difficult. It's a club I do at school, and a couple of my friends do it with me. Fantastic. And uh, how is your novel going on? Not very well. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Have you, have you got writer's block? Um, well, it's not that. I'm just really behind. I'm supposed to be on, like, 23,000 words, and I'm only on 14,000, so... Only... Only on 14,000 words? She's very, it's, I'm very disappointed, as you could tell. <laughs> wow, what's your book about? It's about... Well, I'm kind of just making it up as I go along. It's about a girl in Victorian times, and she's got a mean aunt, and she runs away, but I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen. It sounds very exciting. It sounds very exciting. That, lovely to talk to you. Only 14,000 words. <laughs> I'm shocked. I'm shocked and outraged. We're live at the Spotted Dog this morning. If you want to come along and say hello, you're more than welcome. There's lots of cups of coffee being down, lots of cakes, lots of bits and pieces that are happening. Now, a planning application to expand Luton. Uh, London Luton Airport is due to be submitted next week. The airport wants to almost double the number of passengers from 10 million a year to 18 million. Uh, among the most vocal opponents to the expansion are the villagers in Flampstead, where I am this morning. To explain more about their reasons, I'm joined by a spokesperson for Hale, Hertfordshire against Luton Express. Expansion, Nigel Ems. Morning, Nigel. Good morning, Ian. How are you this yeah, morning? I'm fine. I'm, I'm enjoying the, the coffee and I'm enjoying the uh, being near a real fire. Doesn't it? it suddenly makes it feel like Christmas? Isn't this a great village pub? It's, it's a wonderful. great environment to be in. It's wonderful. It's a proper. I was saying earlier on, we're so used to chains now, chains of coffee shops and chains of pubs and all these things. To come into a proper old-fashioned boozer with a with a real local community atmosphere is, is wonderful. Isn't it's it? quite exceptional and very rare these days. Very rare these days. Listen, uh, the, the expansion, what are your main problems with the airport expanding? Well, the main problems with the airport expansion is, for sure, the airport needs to have a new look and be, uh, be restructured, because certainly the passenger experience, the travel experience, the parking access is very, very poor. Mm. But, and this is the big but, the airport cannot manage flights today over local communities. So if it's going to expand, first manage the issues of today which have been created in the last two years. The airport seems to be in fundamental denial to the fact that flights have changed, certainly over this village, and are affecting us. And as Hale, we've proved quite emphatically that noise has escalated over the years with different types of aircraft. And would you believe the airport has even acknowledged that our research as armchair experts is probably more accurate than theirs. They've just not really? considered oh, it. Well Absolutely. Done. So how, how do you measure the noise? Do you, are you stood outside with kind of guns pointing at, not proper guns, but noise guns yeah, pointing we, at the aeroplanes? We have one of our, our guys has noise meters. He's been re registered. Noise meters, that's the technical yeah, term, yeah. not guns. Yes, yeah. I think there was something wrong with that statement. Yeah, there, yes. is, there is probably the overwhelming desire to use a gun sometimes, but in this case we use meters. Yes. Um, but this measures the noise. You can measure the different types of aircraft and also the fact they're flying lower mm. and slower. So they've got heavier loads, 
They're lower over the village, therefore the impact of noise is so more significant. Do you that your findings are perhaps slightly more accurate than theirs? Are, are they going to do anything about it, or are well, they as, listening? As always, they're listening, um, but are they doing anything? The amount of times we have spent in meetings, and if you consider they had heard nothing from this village until 18 months ago, which does give us a clue that something changed mm. uh, two years ago. So... Yeah, we're a reasonably relaxed community until something changes and it dramatically affects our lifestyles, affects people's sleep. The vicar can't even give his sermon in church on a Sunday. Uh, these are real facts. Mm. They're, not, um, they're not pie in the sky, excuse the pun. There are some people who would say, though, airport expansion, it will bring business to the area, it will create jobs, it will generate money. What would you say to those? Manage it properly. If you manage the situation... And you have a managed expansion, but clearly the airport, when they changed flights two years ago, didn't really look at the impact. And they've admitted that on their flight trials, they had not assessed the impact of the changes. I mean, really, in terms of, I work in business, if any of my team came up with some of the answers they've come up with, they really wouldn't be in a job. You know, they are really less than professional in their responses. Planning um, a, go, Sorry, go on. And for instance, yeah, we've had meetings with the managing director of Luton Airport, who's admitted that there are problems, mm. that everyone admits there's an issue around this. 18 months on, we have the option now of PR navigation, which is tightening the flights onto uh, the centre line. Mm. Now, seeing as they've been working on getting flights on the centre line for two years, they've now drifted back. There is no acknowledgement of how to come up with an interim solution until this new system comes in. Planning application uh, goes in probably the end of next week, something like that. What will you do then? What's the, what's the next stage for you? Well, I think it's a very much an awareness campaign of the impact of this. Now, certainly no one's going to challenge the argument on jobs per se, but what we would challenge is the number of jobs right. and where they're coming from. Um, you know, as I said earlier, the airport certainly is a very much a 70s airport it uh, it can't compete in the real world with the likes of of Heathrow but also you have to remember it's a regional airport it is landlocked the expansion plans are not really viable in this area in terms of the road infrastructure rail infrastructure mm. uh, all the access points to it so it needs to be managed very very carefully again critics might say is this not just a case of nimbyism no, absolutely not, because it affects the whole of Hertfordshire. Hale is all about Hertfordshire against Luton expansion. What we're seeing is that this is to the benefit of Bedfordshire, which is fine, mm. but also if they're going to take the gain, we're taking the pain. Therefore, the airport needs to be much more proactive in its approach to residents of Hertfordshire, because we are the neighbours, we are the most affected by it. Mm. Least affected by airport noise is Luton. Most to gain from it is Luton. Now, uh, let's go back to this pub, because this is a fantastic little project that's going on. It's raising money for the local church. Uh, are you here often? Do you pop in here often? Is oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, one of my uh, call-ins on the, on the regular dog walk. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a good like excuse. That, yes, I'm just, I'm just going to go out and walk the dog uh, and nip in and have a quick cup no, of coffee. No, the dog on. knows his own way here. He's got his own mug. <laughs> I'm surprised. I'm glad I'm OK with dogs. There are dogs everywhere. Look, we've got a dog over here. There's, there's a, the, the Duke is, is Duke still Sparko by the fire, or has he gone? 
He's gone upstairs, as he knows. He's had a stressful morning. <laughs> How can Duke be stressed? He's the size of a pony, for goodness sake. Oh, he's, he's a gorgeous dog. Oh, he's a he. fantastic dog, but he's... I think he's the landlord, actually. Well, w- when we walked in, he came and checked us out. I yeah. think we got the, the paws up from Duke, so <laughs> we, were, we were kind of doing okay. Listen, thank you very much. Thanks okay, for coming pleasure. in. Go thank and, you very go much, and have Ian. a cup of coffee and one of these cakes. Uh, this is, we are coming live from the Spotted Dog uh, in Flamstead. There are people... Good morning, Spotted Dog! They're getting a little bit more raucous as the morning goes on. I think they're starting to warm up. Well, well by nine o'clock, we'll have them ready to go. Don't you worry about that. Today, we're celebrating small businesses. Uh, a lot of them are struggling. And so we thought it would be nice to kind of give them the thumbs up, give them a pat on the back, and say well done for those that are trying perhaps something a little bit different. And to celebrate that, we are live in Flamstead, in the spotted... Well, the spotted dog by night, the coffee dog by day. A small, independent little coffee shop that's running a pub does a cracking cup of coffee, some great cakes. Come down and say hello if you want. Maybe we'll speak to you after the latest news with Catherine. Morning, dear listener, this is Ian Lee, live in Flamstead this morning. Do you know what? It's looking like it might be quite a nice day out there. Look, lovely blue sky. A little bit nippy, but it's looking like it could be a lovely weekend. How good would that be? We're here because there are growing numbers of community businesses being set up across beds, hearts and bucks. From village shops to pubs to cafes, local people are getting together to prevent them from going under in the face of difficult financial times. Well, today we're having a closer look at the businesses and the people who volunteer to run them. I'm live in the Coffee Dog Cafe in the village of Flampston in Hertfordshire, which is run by volunteers. Good morning, everybody! Good morning. I think they're getting bored of me now. Good morning, everybody! There we go, you see. I know it's a bit early for Panto, but never mind. Uh, It's run entirely by volunteers. Coming up on the show today, I'm going to be joined by the new Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire, David Lloyd, to find out what his priorities are uh, going to be for the next year. Luton Town Football Club, last played on AstroTurf 21 years ago. Reporter Justin Dealey is trying to bring the pitch back together, but we are going to need your help. We'll get the latest on that. And this is going to be great. At the end of the show, the Flamstead Village Choir will be singing us out at the end of the programme. Bless you, young man, for a little sneeze there. BBC All that and more. Three Counties Radio. A little sneeze there. Are you having fun in the corner over there? Popped in for your breakfast, which is very nice. Well, maybe we'll come and say hello to you in a second, if that's right. Got two young people who've come in for a very delicious-looking breakfast. Now, uh, David Lloyd is the new Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire. He joins me now. Morning, David. Morning. Glad to see you in Flamstead. I do. I'm glad to be in Flamstead. It's fantastic. It's a wonderful place. How great is this, having a coffee shop in a pub in the morning? It's perfect. The uh, great morning-after antidote for the night before. (laughs) I've got, look, I've got my spotted dog, my spotted dog biscuit, which I shall be eating a little bit later on, so thank you for that. I've got my cup of coffee. I've not forgotten the recipe book. I'm going to come and get that. Grab me before I go. Don't let me, don't let me, I know you will. And have <laughs> you met the publican Peter yet? Uh, we've not spoken, we've not spoken to oh, Peter yet. Well, no, we're going to. That's a treat to come. Well, now I'm nervous. <laughs> uh, congratulations on the job. Thanks very much. A, a week into it, ish. It's kind of well, Thursday. Well, a day actually, but I suppose it... a day, a week. What's that to the beeb, eh? How's how's it going so far? Very well indeed. Yep. Yesterday I was out in Waltham Cross, uh, meeting with uh, the local community. Then I was back in the office, meeting with victims of crime. I've always said this is a full time job. I've always said I'm going to hit the deck running, and I've done so. Well, you say a full time job. There haven't, but you, you're already the chairman of Decorum Borough Council, uh, a borough ward councillor, Hertfordshire County Councillor, people, some people might be thinking, 
can you do all of those things and give them your full attention? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think you're right to do it and get straight into some of the controversy there is already. And uh, I'm not willing to get involved in party politics. I mean, I know another political party has been on, has been rubbishing what I'm doing before I've even started the job. This is a full-time role. This is why I've given up being deputy leader of the county council, uh, working on the LEP, uh, working uh, on many, many things at County Hall, and actually, alongside that, about £54,000 worth of income. And I've done all that because I'm focusing full-time on this role. But the reason that this role is so important mm. is to bring together all of those partner agencies to drive down crime. And I reckon the best way to do that is to be really involved in the middle and in the mix. And anyone who's got that advantage of being able to speak, I'm seeing the uh, Chief Fire Officer next week, the reason that I can do that so easily is because I'm actually a county councillor and being in that mix means I can get to see those people who are so responsible for reducing crime and that's what this role's about. What's, what's your priority? What's, what's, what's the, the, the kind of first thing you're going to grab and well, shake into I, shape? Well, I, uh, I stood on uh, three things. You remember I used to be chairman of the police authority and in being chairman of the police authority I was there when crime came down by uh, 20% just over, where convictions went up to about twice the level they normally are and where I uh, froze county tax. I intend to continue on that record, uh, so I won't be increasing council tax next year for policing. I, won't, I will still be uh, looking to ensure that crime is driven down, and I'll still be looking to ensure that more criminals are caught. But the real difference here is about putting the victim at the heart of mm. all we do. And that's why the first people I met were victims of crime. And I'll tell you what, that really shakes you up, mm. because you really find out what can go wrong in what is a really safe county. You said you can make substantial savings on the current police budget. How are you going to do that? I don't think I did say I could make substantial savings. I said I wasn't going to charge you a penny more for council tax. Um, it is going to be difficult to, uh, to square the circle. Um, but, of course, what we've got to look at is how we run the back office. Um, when I was in charge, one of the roles I've given up, when I was in charge of resources at county council, I was able to find £200 million worth of savings on an £800 million budget. And the way I did that was by looking at outsourcing, looking at... Uh, joining up with uh, other services. Those are the same things which we'll be doing in policing and have already started doing. And also, of course, looking at senior management levels and seeing how many of those we can take out. Now, yesterday on Jonathan Vernon-Smith's show, uh, JVS spoke to the new Police and Crime Commissioner for the Thames Valley uh, Force, Anthony Stansfeld. Uh, one of the key factors in whether this new role will work is the relationship that the PCC has with the Chief Constable. In Anthony's case, it's Sarah Thornton. It's yours, it's Andy Bliss. Uh, now, the police authority meetings were open to the public, and Jonathan asked Anthony if his conversations with the Chief Constable would be as transparent, or would they be held in private? Have a listen. Yes, um, initially. I mean, I had my first meeting um, with Sarah since I was elected. Um, on Tuesday, and I met her and her full team, um, and I gave a quick introduction to some of my views. Um, in future, obviously, we will meet in private, but we have this police and crime panel. Now, the Chief Constable doesn't have to turn up to that police uh, um, uh, a crime panel, and it represents every single council in the Thames area. But I very much hope she will turn up to the majority of them, so that not only am I questioned, but she's questioned by the public as well. What about your meetings with the Chief, Chief Constable, David? Help behind closed doors? Well, um, I'll continue with what I've always done. I meet the Chief Constable frequently. I'm meeting him actually immediately after we do this today. 
I see this role, me being, if, if this was a private company, I'm the chairman, he's the chief executive. The way that we get business done is by working very closely together. And that means you're not going to find me standing trying to rubbish what he's doing. What I'm trying to do is to ensure that we work together to ensure that crime is reduced. There will be some formal occasions where we meet together in public. But actually, what things like that police and crime panel are doing, and what the public is doing, is holding me to account, and I hold the chief constable to account. So actually, from now on, it's me you should be holding to account, not the chief constable. Do you not feel anxious? Because this is such a new role. This is his, literally his history is being made by these new um, PCCs. Uh, are you not a bit nervous? I'm uh, apprehensive, but in a positive way. I'm really looking forward <laughs> to this role. That's a great I, way I, of putting it. I really am looking forward yeah. to this role. This is a great new role, and I think it's one of the most important roles in local government, which is why, as I've explained, I'm holding on to some of the things I'm doing in local government so that I can pull it all together. It really is a very big role and a very important one. What's more important to people out there than the level of crime? There are very few th things which are more important. But, of course, I'm apprehensive about that, but actually I'm excited too. Good, good for you. Well, Steve from Luton yesterday asked a question on Jonathan's programme. Have a listen to this. We all say about democracy, I mean, obviously, there's very low uh, turnout for a, a vote for these commissioners. Um, that's, that's one thing. The other thing is, is a commissioner going to stand up for the police against the government if the, if the police require more services or more money? Is he going to stand up for them, or is he just going to be a yes-man to the government and just give them slap the police about? Who are you representing, David? Well... Neither the police nor the government. I'm representing the people out there. That's who I'm standing up for. I'm going to make sure that we are driving down crime, catching more criminals, keeping your ta council tax low. Those are the things that I'm standing on. And, of course, first and foremost, being out there for victims. So, um, in some ways, uh, the question he asks is a question which um, isn't the relevant one. The relevant one is, how are we standing up for the people? Um, uh, he also mentioned, and I suppose we've got to, got to look at the level of turnout, and I know the, the Electoral uh, Commission is looking at that themselves. It was bitterly disappointing. I mean, there's no point in saying anything other than that. It was a bitterly disappointing... Why was it so low, do you think? Well, um, I, it wasn't even such a nice day as it was today. There were, I suppose two or three things which came together. First of all, it was held at a time of year that no one ever goes out. And that time of year, the reason we don't normally hold elections there is that when the political parties uh, go out and drag people out of their houses to vote on a normal basis, uh, that's in the early evening. I'll tell you what, if you knock on the door and say it's the police when all the lights are out, you're not going to get a very, very good reaction, are you? So in the, uh, the middle of November, it's not a great time to do it. Worse still, actually, because the uh, political parties won't have had all of that information from the new electoral roll, so they can't actually bring people out to say they haven't voted or they have. So that's one reason. Another reason was it's a new role, and people didn't know what it's about because it's a new role. Three and a half years of me coming on to Three Counties Radio and talking to you, I'm sure they'll know what the role is a little bit better. And when they know what that role is, I'm willing to bet... No one's taken me up on the bet yet, but I'm willing to bet you that the turnout is significantly better in May 2016 than it was in November 2012. You said you met some victims of crime yesterday, yep. I think it was. What kind of crimes? These were serious. I mean, I'm not... Uh, Without not obviously precisely anonymity I'm, or anything like I'm that. I'm looking to see, uh, to meet with victims frequently. I don't want 
others to think I'm not going to talk to David because he's then going to go on the radio and talk about individual crimes. Yep. These were serious crimes. These were people who had been attacked, mugged, and still live in fear. And what were they saying? What were they saying that they wanted? What they're looking for is, first and foremost, I think, a champion for them. Someone who can bring together all of those things that public services are doing. Remember the point I made about wanting to be involved in all aspects of the public sector? You know, one of these people still has problem with housing, mm. and yet really shouldn't have to live so close to the person who was assaulting him. Now, I hope I can have a role in bringing together uh, housing and uh, the, the, the criminal justice system. So I want to be able to stand as a champion for him. Thank you very much. David Lloyd, thank you very much for coming in. Thank you. Go and have a cup of coffee and a cake, sir. I'm looking forward to it. Probably my wife baked one of them, so oh, really? I'm looking forward to it. Is she one of the, one of the cake makers? I, I think every woman in this village is a, is a cake And some men as well, thankfully. David, as part of your role as PCC, will you be making cakes for the, the, the coffee dog? <laughs> well, I don't get involved in operational, of course. Well done. David, thank you very much for coming in. Thanks. Now we're going to um, do some magic, because I'm not live in the uh, studio. I'm live at the Spotted Dog, a pub in Flamstead. But apparently, using 21st century technology, I can speak to the Jonathan Vernon-Smith. JVS, are you there? Morning. Morning. How are you? Why is your voice... Has your voice broken overnight? What? You sound, you sound... Or have you got a cold? What's wrong with you? No, 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 I'm fine. Why? <laughs> you, you, you sound very deep all of a sudden. Oh, I don't know. Re- no, it's, uh, it's just... It was a very late night last night, so... <laughs> <laughs> JVS, are you are you broadcasting hungover? No, no, no. It's just I, it's had an effect on my voice. I was following your tweets. You went out for for some posh food last night, didn't you? Oh, I did. Yeah, I ate too much. <laughs> I've been up since four. <laughs> I've, had, I've, had, I've had one of those nights. Oh, you know what I mean. Oh, oh really? Is it been yeah. uncomfortable? Yeah, I woke up at four. I thought, oh, where are the, where are the Andrews liver salts? Quick. That's that's your Argentinian steak, I think yeah, you were I think indulging that, in. I think that's what it was. Anyway, you're having a nice time in the coffee I'm having, dog. I'm having a fantastic time. I've got a lovely cup of coffee. I've got a little cakey. Uh, everyone's being dead polite. It's, it's fantastic. Your bacon, uh, bacon croissant made me hungry, so I went and bought my team bacon sandwiches this morning. You show off. I'm not buying my team anything. Are you, are you drinking coffee while you're talking to me? Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping you could talk longer so I could take a longer sip. Yes, I am. Hang on a second. Oh, nice. <sighs> Beautiful. Yes. It, it sounds like a good coffee. It's a, oh, it's, it's proper coffee. Good. It's, it's, no, no messing around. They, they do a cracking cup of coffee down here, Jonathan. You should get, c- come down here. Forget your show. No one listens anyway. I, come, and, come and hang out with us and uh, have a coffee. Yes, thanks very much. What have you got on your show today, sir? Coming up on the big phone in this morning, I'm asking, do dog owners take enough responsibility for their pets? Uh, the Royal Mail is warning that it could stop delivering to addresses where dogs pose a threat to the safety of its staff. It follows the publication of an independent report which shows that more than 3,000 postmen and women were hurt in dog attacks between April 2011 and April 2012. The Postal Service is now calling for tougher laws against the owners of dangerous dogs. Well, currently, if an incident takes place on private property, prosecution is limited. Well, ultimately, is it down to the owner to make sure their dog is well-behaved? From nine this morning, I want to hear your views. Do dog owners take enough responsibility for their pets? There have been some, uh, some really awful stories this week as well, haven't there, about dogs? And I just wonder I whether, generally, I wonder whether, generally, owners are taking enough responsibility for their animals. 08459 455 555. I want your view on the big phone-in. It's here this morning at nine o'clock. Jonathan, thank you very much, sir. I'll see you later on. Take see care. See you. Ta-ta. Always a cracking listener. Have we got any fans of Jonathan Vernon-Smith in the pub? Who? Oh. <laughs> oh. 
Oh dear, that was uncomfortable. Well, I am live in Flampstead this morning, and the village store in Flampstead is also a post office, and along with the pubs, it's a centre for the community. Recently taken over by the current owners, and our reporter Justin is over there now. Justin! Yes, thank you, Ian. Just about to walk into the shop right now. I've found oh. the owner. It's Hetel. Hetel, welcome to the programme. How are you this morning? I'm fine, thank you. Good Fantastic morning. stuff. Um, you have got such a wonderful story. Uh, you run the local shop here, but... You've come from, well, a long way away yes. from this shop. Um, you're working in the Far East. Tell us what you're doing in the Far East. Well, I'm an aerospace engineer, so I was contracted uh, to the MOD, doing a lot of work out in India, Sri Lanka, uh, Singapore, and also sometimes North America. Yeah. So yeah. working for the MOD, top secret stuff then? Something like that, <laughs> about three months out of time abroad, yeah. I mean, it's incredible. So how did you end up working in the Far East and yeah. then running this shop here in Flamstead? Well, basically, when you spend last sort of eight years to 12 years of your life abroad, three months at a time, and you come back and your kids don't know who you are, you sort of decide, you know, well, wait a minute, it's time for a change. And uh, my other half's already from Hertfordshire, and I did move to Hertfordshire from Cuffley Way. And um, I just said, that's it, it's time for a change. And I decided to do something different altogether. <laughs> so you've been here for two and a half months or so. What's the feedback been like for you? Oh, uh, the village is very welcoming. They've all come in, they do support me. Um, at, at the same time, you know, we work together because the more they support me, the more I can bring in to them. And um, we are best on price as well. We, we're doing a Christmas checklist here where basically they bring in their list and tell me what they want and whatever, and I'll get the best price for them. And on average, we're saving each customer around £15. Wow. Um, and that's also sourcing a lot of produce from lo locally in Hertfordshire. And by doing that, what we're also doing is anyone that comes in, we're produced from the local village or whatever, we're co contributing back to the local um, charity, the Wish Tree. Yeah. And any adverts in your windows as well for local people yeah. you don't charge. I saw you a moment ago say, morning, Margaret, say morning yeah. back to you. Yeah. Uh, Ian's inside the pub this morning, yeah. the Spotted Dog, great yeah. atmosphere in there. Uh, there seems to be a great atmosphere yeah. throughout the whole village here. Yeah. No, they are. They, it, there is a very good atmosphere. I mean, I can't wait till Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some people would disagree, but, yeah. but you personally yeah. having this shop, you, you feel like you're really yeah. serving these people well. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's a great atmosphere. It's a nice little uh, twinkle uh, village, but yet we've got a lot going for it as well you know there's a lot of community support and everyone does help each other out you know for example I, uh, the coffee dog the community uh, dog what we give them a discounted rate on you know the stuff they buy from us on a weekly basis to help them out and you know so I don't make the margins that I should make but at the mm, same mm. time if I support them they support me and that's yeah. how this sort of village works and do you miss the Far East at all? <laughs> well I miss the weather <laughs> <laughs> Put your jacket on this yeah, morning. Yeah, that's yeah. right. You know, but I spend more time with my children now, yeah. so that's why. I mean, believe it or not, I mean, yeah, the long hours here. But yeah. hopefully, once it's up and running and into profit, yeah, hopefully I can um, spend more time with my children. It's a great story. You're clearly enjoying life. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank there you, you very go. much. That's uh, Hessel Patel joining us live on the program. He runs the local shop here, and uh, Ian's going to go and knock on a door here. G give me one second. Here's uh, a random door. That's a knock on some doors in the village. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, here we have Jill. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yes, how are you today? Very, very well indeed. Um, just across the road is the pub where Ian is with all yes. of the locals. Do they sound drunk this morning in there? Well, they do, actually. I mean, it's absolutely... <laughs> 
buzzing in there, isn't it? I can't believe it. I don't know if Peter's going to keep going. If he got up at half past three this morning, it's going to be a bit of a tall order for him still to be standing at seven o'clock tonight. And what's the best thing about living here in Flamstead? Well, it's an absolutely thriving village. Great place to live. I've lived here for 16 years now. Uh, we've lived here with our four children and they've all gone to local schools. Mm. They always come home and say how lovely it is to be home. As you can see, it's a very old rural village. There are lots of very old houses. This house comes from about 1720. It was built in about 1720 and still has a lot of old features, as you can see with the houses across the road there. Um, so it has a very rural and villagey feel mm, mm. and yet so close to all the towns and close to the M1. I actually work from home. I have to zip up and down the M1 quite a lot and I can get to places very easily. And yet when I'm working from home, you just feel so far away from everything. Yeah. Um, there are always people around. Um, as you know, we've got a school, very good school, lovely school, oversubscribed. We have two churches, one of which is from the 11th century. We're doing a lot of work at the moment, the Friends of St Leonard's, to raise money for that church. So it's all going on. You sound very posh yes, as well, but yeah. we love your accent. We're yeah. going to bring the kids oh, in now. Kids, come outside for us just briefly. One yeah, one plug very briefly. Mark. Boot camp. Everyone get down to Mark's today, nine o'clock, at the wreck. Get your trainers on and get running. I think I'll give that one a miss if you don't mind. <laughs> Mark's boot camp. Um, here we have Izzy. Izzy, you're 12 years old. Uh, what's the best thing about Flamstead? Well, everyone's so friendly and nice to talk to. And I've lived here all my life. And I really like the Scarecrow Festival yep. because it's really nice to walk around and see all of the Scarecrow. Oh, I love the Scarecrow Festival as well. And uh, last word here from Charlie. Charlie, also 12 years old. What's the best thing about living here in Flamstead? Well, I've lived in my whole life too so like the atmosphere is great and i know everyone so there isn't a person i can complain about or anything like that love it guys thank you so much for your time have a wonderful day um there you go we heard from the village shop also there jill izzy and charlie uh, certainly enjoying life here in flamstead i'm outside in the freezing cold in back to you inside the boozer yeah justin it's, it's a hard life you stay out there though there's not enough room it's got quite busy so i don't think you should come in we're gonna go over and speak to lucy lucy mortimer morning lucy hi hi no, don't don't pull that face don't be all shy you're you are one of the people that responds for the cakes here well i wouldn't say responsible necessarily but i am helping on the rotor yes so do you do, you do what do you do do you make do you sell how what, what's oh, your deal just make a batch to help out we're all taking in turns well hang on a second excuse exactly. me this is this is sam this is sam morning sam how are you doing you all right yeah i'm fine do you help make the cakes yes i do what's what's your speciality what's the best cake you can make uh, no, I, I, I make all of them. Oh. I only help because my mum's not very good at them. <laughs> really? Is she not particularly... T tell me the secrets about your mum, uh, Sam. Why, why is she not very good? Doesn't mix them properly. Uh, She's... And when it comes out, it's, it's normally all sloppy. Oh, dear. You, you managed to sort it out. You're the, you're the genius behind it, are you? Yeah. Okay. We've got Mi Millie. Is, is Millie your sister? Yeah. Millie, can I ask you a question about Sam? Is it true what he says, that he makes all the cakes and it's not your mum? No. I help. But you help, okay. Do you, do you help with the cakes at all, Millie? Yeah. What's, what's the, your favourite cake to make? Uh, chocolate crunch. Oh, there we go, you see. Uh, do you come in here? I saw you having chomping on a croissant earlier on. Do you come here and, and uh, eat a croissant? Uh, yeah. Sometimes we do, don't we? Yeah, I think it might turn into a Friday favourite now, though. It's a good thing to do. It's a great little centre. Listen, congratulations. That you carry on with your excellent colouring in and drawing. I need to go and speak over here, over here to... Uh, it's, it's Angus, isn't it? Morning, Angus. Morning. So tell us about yourself, sir. How old you are and what you do for a living? I'm eight and I go to school. And, uh, what, what kind of things are you studying at school? English, maths, that sort of stuff? English, maths, geography. Best lesson, worst lesson? 
my best is English and my worst is geography. Oh, man, geography. Geography, you think it'd be quite interesting, but it's, it's dull, isn't it? Yes, definitely. How are you at maths? I'm ish good. Two times eight? Um, 16. 12 times 14? <laughs> oh, hey! It's a, legit- it's a legitimate question. Now, listen, I- I've heard rumour that you're a fan of Strictly Come Dancing. Is that correct? Uh, yep. What do you like about it? I like seeing um, the dancing and yeah. hearing the judges' comments about what they like. I-, I don't watch it, OK, but the thing... I've seen bits of it. Well, who's the Italian judge? Um, uh, Bruno. How come he can't say anything without standing up? He's always... He'll sit down, then he'll stand up. It's the most marvellous! He does all that kind of stuff, doesn't he? Yeah, I, I don't really know about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right not to. OK, listen, we do a little thing on Mondays where we get kind of younger people under 10 to be our Strictly Come Dancing correspondent, so I don't have to watch it. And, and you do that. Would you fancy doing that for us one day? Yep. You, you come on the air and tell us what happened. You, you have to watch Strictly Come Dancing. Can you do that? Yes, I'll do that. Superman, who's, what's, what's your name, young man? Edward. Hello, Edward. And how old are you? Four. I mean five. Four. So it's, it's a confusing age. We all want to. I'm, I'm, I'm 29. I mean 39 is the, the correct <laughs> thing. And uh, you're looking very smart this morning. Where are you off to? Work? School. What's your favourite thing at school? Making cards. Making cards. Man, they don't, do, they don't do enough making cards at school, do they? Edward, are you a fan of Strictly Come Dancing? No. No, it's, it's a little bit, little bit rubbish, isn't it? Edward, listen, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Angus, we'll speak to you soon as our new Strictly correspondent. Excellent stuff. If you're under 10 or you know someone who's under 10 and you think they might make a good Strictly Come Dancing correspondent, then send us an email, 3cr at bbc.co.uk. Justin Daly, what are you doing? Get back out. Get out. <laughs> no, it's cold out there. You've got another half an hour of the show. Go on. All right, OK, OK. Bye. Thank you very much. Right. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, nearly 8.33, exactly. It's Friday the 23rd of November. We're coming live from Flamster. We're here till 9 o'clock, and then Jonathan Vernon-Smith takes over. Today we're having a closer look at the businesses and the people uh, who uh, volunteer to run them. I'm live in the Coffee Dog Cafe in the village of Flamstead in Hertfordshire, which is run by volunteers. Coming up in the last half an hour of the show, we'll speak to Councillor Dave Taylor, Executive Councillor in Charge of Environment at Luton Borough Council, on how Luton plan to save £48 million over the next four years. When you say it out loud, it doesn't sound real, does it? £48 million. And also, before the end of the show, Flamstead Village Choir will be singing us out, which is always exciting. But before we go any further, uh, we were talking 12 times 14. I threw that sum at Angus earlier on. Sam, who I speak to. Sam, you reckon you've worked it out, do you? Yeah. Got, well, well, what's the answer? 12 times 14? 168. He's, he's right. Yes, he's right. <laughs> well done. And did you, did you use a calculator? No. Did you, have you got your workings out? No, I'd used it in there. <laughs> Excellent work, Sam. Well, round another round of applause for Sam. You see? Good work, Sam. Thank you very much. And, I, of course, I, I worked it out. Like, as, I had no idea I worked it out as well. And, and then I checked it on the calculator just to make sure. Now, big cu- you might be able to help with this, Sam. Council cuts. We might need you in a second. Big cuts to council services in Luton are coming. It needs to find £48 million worth of saving over the next four years. Last night, the councillors agreed proposals to make a number of significant cuts. Include, I'll give you some of them. There's a lot. Um, 
A £413,000 saving on street cleaning, possibly loss of 22 staff. Cuts to concessionary bus passes, saving uh, £350,000. Cuts to flower displays, grass cutting, litter, could save uh, £1.4 million a year. Uh, And cuts to highways could save £658,000 a year. Well, Councillor Dave Taylor is the Executive Councillor in charge of environment at Luton Borough Council. Morning, Dave. Good morning, Ian. Dave, these cuts look brutal. Why are you making them? They are brutal because we have to. As you said, we've got to save £48 million over the next four years because the way the the current uh, coalition government um, uh, have affected our funding. The council says it's really at the edge. It's getting less from central government, as you say, uh, 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 but it's spending more. Where would you make cuts? Well, we're not not spending more. We're actually spending less. Um, so we look across the, across the board, we're looking at everything, everything. Uh, and I think that I agree with your, your observation that, that it is brutal um, when you look at what we're cutting um, on street cleaning, for example. Well... And there could well be a loss of up to 21 jobs. And what do you say, what do you say to the people who are affected by these job losses? Uh, it's, it's, it's with regret. I mean, in my time in politics, uh, I've never seen a situation like this. And it's regretful that we have to do this, but we have to, ha- we have to submit a balanced budget. There were plans to stop weekly bin collections, but then you had a note from the Secretary of State, Eric Pickles, last night. What, what happened there? Yes, uh, yes, that's one of the elements of good news that we've got. Um, we, we, we applied to the Pickles Fund, and, and we were granted £10.8 million. So the, propose, the cuts proposal on refuse collection could have cost up to 36 jobs, but those jobs will be saved now, and it will, we'll be able to enhance our collection service, which, for example, um, we'll be able to do the separate nappy collection, which accounts for 10% of the, the, the waste in the black bin, uh, new recycling bins, um, food prevention measures, um, glass recycling in the green beans, etc., etc. So it, that's, that's good news. Uh, but the majority of it last night was bad news. And it is bad news, isn't it? Because cuts to uh, road markings, potholes, street cleaning. Absolutely. Luton's going to look terrible, isn't it? Yep. Um, unfortunately, you're probably right, because standards will decline, um, grass will be longer, um, there still will be services there, um, but they'll, they'll take longer to perform. For example, you know, you could, could be uh, potholes and paving slabs, are reported by members of the public, and instead of us doing the next day, it could be three or four days, because the team that actually works on it will have been reduced. Dave, where do you stand on the uh, expansion p- plans being proposed for Luton uh, Airport? Um, I think it's a step in the right direction. It'd be good for the town, um, it will increase jobs, but there are the environmental aspects um, that we're looking at already, um, and I think there should be quite a considerable amount of consultation during the planning process. Um, both with the residents of the town um, and in the surrounding areas, because I heard the chap from Hale this morning um, who said that uh, it's got to be managed, and I think the airport can manage it, and we can do that through the planning application, and I hope people get involved in the planning process. Well, Dave, the people in uh, Flamstead and from Hale are, are, are saying that they're not being listened to. Yeah, well, you know, they're entitled to their opinion, but, I mean, there is a planning process to go through now, and it's a legal procedure, um, and they will be listened to, because Luton Borough Council Planning Committee will be determining the application, um, and they're quite uh, welcome to attend that, and they will be listened to. It's a load of cash from the airport, don't they? We do. 
We do, because we still own So it. surely that's going to be the most important factor in your decision, not what some people in the village think? No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. I think that um, you just can't expand the airport, per se, and say that's it, because it's good for jobs. You've, you've got to do it uh, professionally, and you've got to do it, uh, and you've got to realise what the environmental consequences of an expanded airport are, and I think that we're working with the airport on that. Uh, finally, Dave, this week the ONS Wellbeing Survey said that Luton was the worst place to live outside Luton, uh, live outside London, sorry. How as a council are you going to address this? These cuts are surely going to mean that it's bottom next year, isn't it? Well, I think we've responded to that already, and we'll do the best of a bad job. But I think that uh, the workforce that we've got left um, will still be working hard, um, and we'll, we'll, we'll continue to do our best for the town, which is all that we can do. Dave Taylor, Executive Councillor in Charge of Environment at Luton Borough Council, thank you very much. Now, this is Ian Lee, uh, BBC Three Counties Radio. We're live in a pub. I know, we get all the tough gigs on this show, don't we? Uh, it's 21 years since Luton Town Football Club last played on AstroTurf. Reporter Justin Dealey wants to bring the AstroTurf back together next week, but we're going to need your help. Now, Justin, when you mentioned this, yes. uh, it, we all laughed behind our, behind our hands and went, well, Justin's <laughs> gone bonkers, this will never work. But it, it, it's looking like we might have a little bit of success. Where, where are we now with this? Well, we're, we're certainly moving on with it, put it that way. Um, we tracked down about 70% on the pitch. Um, that's in a warehouse in Cambridge. A number of people have been in touch as well with their pieces but we are looking for something quite specific now. This is the missing link. So 70% of the pitch, yes. Mick Harford and John Dreyer ex-Luton Town legends they've agreed to be part of this but we are looking to find the penalty spot. Now I spoke to John Dreyer this week. Uh, John was Luton's penalty taker on the AstroTurf pitch for a unique penalty style as well and we got tipped off by somebody who phoned the astroturf hotline that john dreyer had the old penalty spot apparently he dug that out and he took it home well when i phoned john he said to me that's not the case he said however somebody came up to him on the last game on the astroturf against derby county and they had a pen knife quite what they were doing with a pen knife in the football ground i don't know but this person he said cut out the old penalty spot and he said to john Look what I've got. I've got the penalty spot where the last penalty was taken on the AstroTurf. Quite simply, Ian, we need to find that person wow. this morning. Who has got that penalty spot? Are they listening? We need to hear from you. Justin, couldn't I just get, like, a bit of a greengrocer's grass and paint it with Tippex? Would that not be the same, <laughs> no. the same thing? No, this was the real right. deal. Okay. This is a very, you know, historic AstroTurf pitch, uh, 85 to 91, the most successful period in Luton Town's history. And we're here in Flamstead this morning. I've been tipped off that people in the village Ooh. are massive Luton supporters, they are Dennis Herbert, the Pedder family, and Stephen Lewington. We seem to think that some of those people oh. might have some of the AstroTurf, but hey. if that person is listening, if it's you who has got the penalty spot, we need to hear from you. The players are good to go. The man from Cambridge with the pitch, he is good to go. The location's good to go. We just need that penalty spot so we can get John Dreyer somewhere in Luton recreating a famous goal. Justin Dealey, thank you very much. I'm wandering through the pub. It's all busy out the back. Hello, everybody. Hello. 
You're very reserved and very... Good morning, what's your name? Roz. Roz, what are you ordering this morning? I'm uh, ordering two takeaways. I've got a friend staying with me and she's still in the shower, so she's having a takeaway when she comes up. How, how cool is that? You've got a friend popping over for a little visit and you can just, I'm just going to nip down the pub and get you some coffees. How wonderful. And Do you, you live across the road, so it's hardly any problem at all. This is, this is a great idea, isn't it? Having a, a, turning the pub in the morning into a little bit of a coffee house is a great community spirit. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a great idea and, and I kind of help out here once a fortnight too myself. So. Well, this is another thing that I was, was curious about is that, that, that everyone I've spoken to says, oh, yeah, I help out here when I can. It's, it's, that's wonderful, isn't it? It is. It's a great community. We're really? Well, listen, go, go get, get your coffee. Uh, we got... Now, what's your name, sir? I'm Roy. Roy. Hello, Roy. Hi. You're, you're looking... You're, you're taller than me, I think. How tall are you? Six foot four. He's <laughs> taller than me. I, I'm six feet. I always get excited when I meet people who's taller than me because it, uh, it happens very rarely. You're stood behind the counter. You've got the coffee dog apron on. What's your What's your role here, Roy? Uh, I'm a volunteer. I help out and I also look after the books and things and do the rotor. Oh, okay. So but, you're, you're, um, you're the you're, you've got quite a bit of power then. If you're doing the rotor okay. and the books, then you're the man to know, surely. <laughs> do you make the coffees as well? I make the coffees as well. I'm still in training, but uh, I'm getting there. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, these machines look dead easy to use, don't they? But I'm, I'm sure they're not. It's just getting your froth right. <laughs> <laughs> That's easy for you to say. What's the hardest coffee to do, the flat, the flat white? No, I like flat white, oh, so okay. I can do those. You it's can do cappuccino. those. cappuccino. I've got to get that really frothy... That, that right kind of the, froth. Sally, Sally's working it this morning. She's doing a good job. On an average morning, how many people do you get coming in here? It just varies yeah. dramatically. So it's uh, it can be packed out, and some people are having business meetings, and lots of people in. Or some days it can be a little bit quiet, you know, if it's raining or yeah, people aren't about. But with and you're, you're volunteering. Why do you think it's important to, to kind of volunteer here and in your local community? I just Flamsted it's unique. You know, it's a great community spirit. It's a great village to be in, and it's it's just nice to keep that atmosphere going. And people, because someone somewhere for people to go. Yes, yeah. yeah, it is a great atmosphere. Is everybody okay this morning? Yeah. Yes. Are you sure they? Are you sure they're just they're just drinking coffee? There's a little bit. They're a little bit boisterous. Shot for goodness' sake! It's not this time of the morning, Sally. You're very very naughty. Right. Hey, well, hang on a second. Hang on a second. I do. I, I, I'm sorry. Paint a picture. I'm just coming. To... <laughs> You're so busted. You're so bu- I've just come in here to sit down at my control desk. And Justin Dealey's sat in a corner reading the TV listing. Yeah, Coronation Street on this evening. Double bill. Seven thirty. Eight thirty. Un- unbelievable. Justin's been booted out of the way to make way for the choir. We'll be hearing from the choir in a bit, but it's 8.45. It's Friday the 23rd of November. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Mike Penning, the MP for Hemel Hempstead, has expressed concern over a planning application that could see London Luton Airport almost double its passenger numbers. Luton Borough Council has agreed a series of cuts to its services described as brutal by unions. In sport, Chelsea's new manager, Rafael Benitez, insists it will be easy to work for Roman Abramovich. After his previous troubles at Liverpool, he also insists he's not concerned about being a short-term appointment. Coming up, it's Friday, and we've been trying, every Friday we try and do something a little bit different, have something a little bit musical before 9am. We are, they're getting in position now, look, it's exciting, we'll be joined by the Flamsted Village Choir. Good morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, we're live in the Spotted Dog in Flamsted. We've got the last ten minutes of the show, we're going to have the choir Good morning, choir. Morning. You're the politest choir I've ever met. They're all very, very, very quiet through the news until I said, well, you can talk if you want to, and then you, but we'll be hearing from you. You've got a few minutes, so if you need okay, to warm up, right. now's a good time to do it. Uh, we're joined by the Reverend John Green from St. Leonard's Parish Church. Good morning, Reverend. Good morning. Uh, now, how, how important is something like the coffee dog to you? 
well, it's an opportunity to reach out to the community and to, uh, yeah, to be in the community. Mm. And Thursday mornings, I'm here with my apron on. Oh, are you one of the volunteers? I am as well? one of the volunteers, what? of which we need more, 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 more volunteers. What, what do you, can you make a mean cup of coffee? I can do a very mean cup of coffee, and I'm the best frother of milk in the whole parish. <laughs> Reverend, please, <laughs> I say, sir. <laughs> The money raised by the coffee dog uh, goes to help towards the church, doesn't it? What, profits, what's that money yes. being used for? Principally putting a, a wonderful, beautiful old building back into a decent condition. Mm. There, are, there are six windows we need to replace at 60,000 a pair. So Excuse me, how much? 60,000 pounds a pair. Just get some new PVC stuff. Yeah, well, that's our account. problem. There's a... <laughs> You know the background that, I, to this. Of course, yes, yes. Well, yes just, you just, do. just explain our list to our listeners very briefly. Well, these are very high windows up, and yeah. they've been, been, they were replaced in the 1960s with UPVC windows, wow. which of course have destroyed the, the stonework. And yeah. we now have to put proper stone back, mm. and it's going to cost a lot of money. That's incredible. That's a incredible lot of money. money, isn't it? Um, and, and, and how was this? The, the coffee dog broached you. Did, did, did someone come and say, "Look, we're going to." start raising some money for you doing this or did you go to them what was no, i think it so it was sort of spontaneous right. people decided that when when tom decided he would he would have to give up the top coffee dog for a year he's doing his studies the community that's yes. right the community said let's take it over and run it and it's things like that that i guess you can only get in a small village like flamstead where the community go actually we are bothered about this L let's give up a couple of hours a week or whenever and and try and make a difference i'm sure flamstead is quite unique <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes it is the sort of thing that you hope small communities would do we've been hearing about airport expansion plans is it is it true that the, the, the noise of the airplanes means that your sermons <laughs> on sunday are interrupted not my sermons on sunday my quiet service is at eight o'clock in the morning right yes they're a bit disturbed There's a plane comes over at five past eight and one at 25 past eight well you know the exact oh yes means. i do yes i do yes uh, uh, um th 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 i'm going to ask you something you, uh, th i'm keen to get your opinion on this women bishops the Church of England poo-pooed it. This, ooh, controversial. Contra was it... What did you make of that decision? Uh, do you want an honest I want opinion? your honest answer, yeah, yeah. I am dismayed. Really? Yes. And I have... So is the dog, by the way. I have, yes. <laughs> it, seemed, it seemed so totally likely it was going to go through. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wrong decision? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. And there are tears in my eyes. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I think it's a shame. I think it could have been a real chance for the church to kind of just step forward a bit. Yeah, and, and of exactly. course, people would have been upset by the decision had it gone that way. But yeah. I, I don't think they've come off looking particularly well, no. have they, no. as a result of it? No, no. Um, Labour uh, MP Frank uh, Field wants to end the church's exemption from equality laws on gender discrimination. It's getting a bit complicated now, isn't it? much too complicated. <laughs> much too complicated. I think that's actually much, much to, better. Do you need to go much, before much they all start collapsing in a drunken heap? Do you need to go and join them, or are you going to sit <laughs> here and watch them I think I'll sing start? along with the tenors. What, 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 what are we going to get them to sing this morning? God be in my head and in my understanding. Okay, listen, so you hand your microphone to, to Danny there. You Thank go and you stand so over much. there. Choir, whenever you're ready, you're on your best behaviour. You're singing to, to millions of people. Ah, I said millions. It's, it's, it's not quite there, but... Whenever you're ready, take it away, maestro.
grab the choir choir master is that the right term these days hardly hardly no i'm 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 you're I'm, waving your arms around I, I'm, I'm a mere administrator and i'll i'll, I'll choir master actually lives in enfield and couldn't get him oh, out really? of couldn't get him out of bed this oh, morning sorry sorry nigel i know you're listening but uh, what's your name sir we love you really john john and how long have you been part of this choir uh, since it started about three years ago right we started uh, because the church had no choir beautiful church beautiful organ yeah. no choir and uh, we came together for an epiphany service, mm. um, I think it was three years ago, and um, epiphany being the 12th day of Christmas, of course, yep. we got together, we all enjoyed it so much, and uh, we've been singing Epiphany, Easter, um, Harvest, um, Remembrance Sunday, Fantastic. Christmas, of course. Um, we love it, we carry on. Busy, busy Christmas coming up? Busy Christmas coming up. We, we start rehearsing in a couple of weeks for the next uh, epiphany service, which is in January. Yep. So... Well, fantastic. Give yourselves a round of applause, choir. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff indeed. Now, look, I saw you. You're not sneaking away. I saw you try and sneak away. What's your name? Catherine. Catherine, well, being part of the choir, what do you get from it? Um, ooh, lots of different things, actually. Um, I've met a whole bunch of people that I'd never met in the village before. Yeah. And, uh, and we have started practising in the pub. I'm finding out that this you're just is this not just an excuse for you all to get boozed up but but, but justify it by saying you're choir practicing uh, I'm lost for words I couldn't possibly I couldn't possibly comment and having something like this do you, do you come and use this as the coffee shop in the morning as well yes definitely um, are you one of the volunteers no you well you're the first person I've met who, who said that you're not uh, it must be great I mean we've been here all morning and the atmosphere is it's kind of very relaxed and it's very friendly it, it must be great to have this on the in the community it's fantastic and it and it's um, something I never expected to find in a village um, so how long have you lived here only three years we're we're very very wow. young in the village so <laughs> We, when, we're not even a part of a generation here. When, when you move into a village like this, ignore, ignore everyone over there for a second, do you get suspicious looks and people going, ooh, have you, have you, seen, have you seen the new youngsters moving in? We, we had the, the classic of going into the pub and uh, my husband walked in, he is a bit taller than you, and uh, I, he walked into the pub having only been in the village for a week and the door opened and this person looked at him and said, my wife knows your wife. <laughs> How terrifying is that? Fantastic. Well, listen, thank you very, very much. Oh, we've got a young person. What's, what's, what's your name? You're a young person as well, without being rude. What's your name? Ray. And who's this? This is Elsa. Hello, Elsa. How are you this morning? You good? Yes, you're doing lots of colouring in. So it's great, isn't it? Because what's nice about this is that the kid, there's loads of kids here as well. It's not an exclusive environment, is it? No, no, it's brilliant. Yeah, and there's loads of kids in the village. It's really nice. <laughs> Fantastic. Listen, thank you very much indeed. Well, listen, that's it. It's, it's, we're getting towards the end. Uh, a big round of applause all of you for being such good sports this morning. You've been dead polite. Thank you for making me feel welcome. Hey, who'd have thought when I spoke to you three hours... Who'd have thought you'd have such a good voice on you, huh? Oh, three hours. Was, was it that long ago? <laughs> but, well, it, I must say, it's, it's not exclusively. It was, we go... We lurch from one side to the other. Um, next Friday, we have the Von Trapps here. So it's he heavy rock. It's, w it's worth a visit. Can you believe that? Do I look like a, the sort of person that does heavy rock? But You're actually having heavy rock here? Absolutely. C couldn't be heavier. <laughs>
Thank you very much. Thank you very much, everybody, for making me feel welcome as well. It's been uh, fantastic. Well, look at the the time is against us now. We have to move on. What a fantastic morning uh, we've had here. Only a couple of arguments with a couple of the people. It's been absolutely fine. If you do want to pop down, do come down. It's the Spotted Dog. It becomes the Coffee Dog every morning. Uh, it's in Flamstead. It does a cracking coffee. I can see Justin is tucking in to a bacon croissant. I've had a superb morning. You've all been dead polite. Right, Ian Lee and everybody else, out! <laughs> oh, blimey. Well, if you're going to be like that, we'll be off then. Thank you very, very much. We'll be back on Monday at 6. Jonathan's up next. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian.